All right, welcome in everybody. Today is episode 53 and we're doing Squadcast from home today. As Max calls it, it's our road game of the week. Uh, We haven't done this in a little while. Usually we kind of reserve this for our weekend episodes, but Max, we wanted to kind of mix it up a little bit and uh, we're back on our StreamYard account with our new branding. I think it looks fantastic. Good job, buddy. Thank you. Thank you. uh, Yeah, and we'll get this rolling here. I'm seeing that Donna Berger's first in. Uh, She's already checking in on the Facebook page. So thank you, Donna. Uh, As usual, she's one of our biggest supporters. So we always thank her for that. Um, And yeah, we're going to get rolling here as we go. Adam Schultz checking in, giving us a wave. Uh, And I'm hoping that we're also live on our YouTube and Twitter pages because I know Twitter kind of, they changed a lot of stuff in the last little while. Uh, It looks like we are on Twitter, so we should be good there. Uh, We're kind of just, we're getting used to this again, because again, Max, we haven't used StreamYard, uh, which is this platform that we're using. We haven't used this in probably a good couple of months at least, hey? It's been a minute. It's been a minute, but you know what? I'm excited to hop back on. The capabilities on this program are pretty good, so uh, hopefully it lends itself well to our little program here. Now, the only thing I want to make sure of, I have a nice little record button in the top of my tabs here, Clark, but usually I thought there was a button to hit record to ensure that uh, this will be available in podcast form and such. So I don't know if we're going to risk it. I don't know where the old record button is. Well, I'm hitting the old settings. We'll figure it out after because, or you can keep clicking away here as we go. Um, But we can always, we can always download it later, especially now that we have a YouTube and a Facebook page. Um, Now with that in mind, uh, we got to plug everybody uh, or tell everybody and plug our new YouTube channel. Just go and you're going to want to search the Squadcast If you see right up in the middle there, uh, and in the corner underneath Max, where is it? Over here. Um, you're going to want to go and check out all of the, uh, if you search the Squadcast, we're going to be going live on that YouTube page from now on. We won't be on the Rod Peterson Show YouTube page, which we have been for a while now. Uh, so we're, we're going to be doing Lair. All of our content will live on that YouTube page. We're going to start adding some clips, I hope, uh, as well to that page. Uh, so it's not just going to be full episodes. We're going to you know cut up our show into smaller clips and post it on there as well. Uh, And we hope if you guys don't mind, just jump over there, give us a subscribe. Uh, As soon as we get to 100, we get to make ourselves a custom URL, Max. And I'm pretty pumped about that. So we can make it youtube.com slash the squadcast. So it's really easy to find for everybody. Uh, But yeah, if you guys don't mind, if you're you're out there and able, that'd be absolutely lovely. Uh, I should mention before we go too much farther that we are presented by our good friends over at Rockstar Supply Chain Solutions. Uh, I'm wearing the hoodie tonight for Roxanne and Darnell. Um, they are great. Make sure you check out rockstar.com for more information on how they can help your business become more efficient. Uh, and they can fix a lot of problems for you. Uh, they're, they're problem fixers, Max. Um, and on top of that, we're not in the studio tonight, but shout out to our good friends over at IKS Media, IKS Live. There's a YouTube comment I'm seeing. So that's a positive. That means we're at least up somewhere. <laughs> we're on your Uh, so that's fantastic. Uh, so shout out to everybody who's checking in. I'm Max, if you don't mind, if you want to take uh, the first couple of, well, you're gonna, I'm going to let you go off here because I know you have a little bit of a, well, I, I don't know if you're going to be reading the poem that you sent me earlier, Max. <laughs> the, but, the poem slash short novel? Yeah. Um, the Blue Jays obviously are, are done. They're out of the picture right now. And we're going to be seeing uh, between tonight and tomorrow night some wild card games uh, across the league, in both leagues, the National and the American, of course. And the Jays are not involved. So, Max, um, I don't know. Give me your give me your initial thoughts because I know we're going to talk a lot of Blue Jays tonight, especially with our first guest, Craig Ballard, and with our second guest, uh, Dante DeCaria, who has some history with the Blue Jays organization, which is going to be really interesting to figure out. 
Um, oh, <laughs> did I say it right? Or did you say it? I, I attempted. I oh, attempted. You nailed it, apparently. <laughs> um, is it just me or is it really chopping lots of buffering? That's a good question, Adam. Um, again, we're just trying this platform here uh, to see if we can make it work. So it, there's a decent chance it might not be the best connection. So we're going to work on, we're going to work through that and hopefully it's okay. If it's, if it's not working great on Facebook, maybe give it a shot on another, another platform and it might be good enough over there. We'll see. Um, it might be my internet connection. It might be Max's internet connection. We don't know. Uh, so anyways, Max, give me your thoughts on the Blue Jays and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, how much time do you got? 7.05. So if everybody wants to yeah. kick around till midnight, you'll probably have my entire season synopsis. But, you know, we'll try and keep it short. Um, this was a season that was essential, um, essential to the process. And I know that you being a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, you will relate entirely to this, that the process is important to go through. Um, this is a team that provided a ton of awesome memories. It was a team that featured seven 20 plus home run hitters, two 40 plus home run hitters, um, an MVP candidate, a Cy Young candidate, a potential rookie of the year. There was literally everything that you could want in a baseball team in terms of excitement, um, name value. And it came down to 162, game 162, which again, just thankful to have 162 game baseball seasons again. Um, man, the best days are ahead. At the end of the day, this is one of those ones that it really stings in the moment. Uh, I know that being the diehard fans that we are, and again, welcoming Craig Ballard in a little bit later, his uh, I'm sure he will echo our sentiments when we say that it's disappointing. The result is disappointing, not the season itself. I think that's that's the the biggest, I guess, underlying thing about it all is when you go through 162 games like this team went through, three home ballparks, um, just adversity after adversity when it came on the injury front. I, I don't believe there was any other team that signed a $25 million player that was missing him for more than half the season that still managed to hit 20 plus home runs and contribute greatly to the team's success. And I mean, man, a 91 and 71 season in a division. I, I don't believe, and I want to fact check myself on this a little later, but I don't believe there's a division in history and baseball has been around for a long time. That's featured four teams in one division winning 90 plus games. This has just been an absolutely incredible ride. The boys came up a little bit short and it'd be easy to point to one of a hundred different things that could have gone right. That could have landed them in this game tonight or potentially even being the division winner, but it's not time to lament on that. It's time to say, okay, 91 and 71 is a hell of a season by major league baseball standards came up a little short in other divisions. They would have been in, it is what it is. You get what you get, and you can't get upset at this team, the youthful energy that was brought uh, day in and day out. And again, man, they took it to 162. And I believe, as Sid Sixero said, many publications said, if the Jays were playing meaningful games in September, not let alone the start of October, uh, this would be a successful season. So when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays, tip of the cap to you boys. Thank you very much. And I think uh, I think we probably maybe said it best last night, Clark, in, in a text chain going back and forth was, we already want next season to begin tomorrow. And I think that's all you can maybe, that's the best way to sum, sum up this season is if you want first pitch to be tomorrow for the Toronto Blue Jays, that means that they did something right in terms of captivating an audience this year. Well, that's exactly it. And um, yeah, I, I agree. And the other thing with that is too, uh, if you look at the, um, second half of the season, and the, it was a, it felt like almost a different season before and after the All Star break, even let's say, because again they weren't in Toronto; they were all over the states, with Dunedin, Buffalo, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and not only that, but 
you saw George Springer come back as a healthy George Springer, and that just ignited so much excitement with this team. And you saw Bichette and Guerrero take a big step forward, and you saw Robbie Ray start to dominate, and you saw Marcus Semien just set a literal all-time record, best ever season by a second baseman. Uh, and then Max, just to just to just to spark the heart a little bit, he comes out in his post-game uh, interview and says that he. You know, it feels like there's some unfinished business here. Why wouldn't you want to be here? This is the uh, the place to be right now. And it's like, okay, uh, as a Jays fan with this bright blue jersey behind me here, and you're wearing the dark blue, um, you look forward to what next year could be. And you think of what if they played the second half baseball all season long? And you saw them sweeping teams. You saw them beating teams they don't normally beat on a regular basis. Uh, but they obviously had some growing pains as well. And we talked about that. You talked about that a little bit. Um, they made some mistakes uh, that are mistakes you can definitely grow from in baseball. Uh, you look at errors. You look at uh, certain things that they were, you know, pitching changes, uh, decision-making things that Charlie Montoyo, as much as, you know, people want to get on him, he's still a young general manager. He's only been a general manager. Sorry, a just bench a manager. manager. Yeah, not a general manager. A bench manager. Uh, for just a couple of seasons now, he's still getting used to that role. And I think he's still growing as well. And he's, he definitely made some mistakes. Now, Aaron Matthews is saying the Stroman tweet also has me excited. Uh, I don't know if we want to get into Stroman now, or if we want to wait for the fireworks with Craig Ballard on that one. We're going to wait for the fireworks. I may get an executive decision. (laughs) Okay. We have had, I will say this about this. If I'm going to tease you, Aaron, uh, so stick stick around here. Um, we have had both Ken Reed from Sportsnet and Arash Madani from Sportsnet on this show specifically. Uh, and we brought Marcus Stroman's name up with both of them. And they both essentially laughed us out of the interview. They <laughs> they both think that there is just way too much history there. So we'll get into that more with Craig Ballard because I know he's going to have the take of the century on Stroman. So let's leave it at that. But uh, anyways, um, I, I just look, if they can bring this roster back for the most part, uh, the big question mark is going to be Semyon and Ray. And if they can bring those guys back, uh, I am more than uh, more than ecstatic uh, to see what happens next year, and I, I just I'm looking forward to it. Let's move on, Max, um, because again we're going to talk Jays a lot tonight, and I, I don't want to overdo it early on. Um, what does Ted now, Lasso say? What's the animal that has the uh, shortest memory in the world? Uh, I'm going to say an elephant. No, oh man, you don't watch Ted Lasso. Oh, Clark. No. See, you can't just throw. Yeah, you're too a busy watching All or Nothing, which just ends in nothing. But the answer, and, my friend, uh, is Love a on goldfish. the Spectrum. I've been watching Love on the Spectrum, Max. Uh, very interesting show. Learn a lot from that show, by the way. Um, no, so no, to... Clark, we're on Ted Lasso. You're missing it. Just sorry. Anyways, my point is, it's a goldfish. Blue Jays fans, goldfish. let's be, be goldfish, goldfish right now. Yeah. And actually, you know what? That's the thing. Do we even really want to forget what this season was? This is, like I said, no. a season that was very integral to the process, but we'll break yeah. it down with Craig in no, just a few I don't, minutes. I don't think forgetting is the right way to do this. I think you grow from it and you learn from it 100%. and you build from it as a team. So that's where I look at it. Just I'm leave actually, the pain of the memory. Yeah. That's all it is. There's a lot to learn from. Uh, Derek Bonus saying hard pass on Stroman. We're going to get to that. Um, Urban Meyer, Max, I have this in question marks. We didn't prep for this before the show, but I know it's all over the news right now. Do you want to touch this Urban Meyer story with a 10-foot pole right now? Mm, Not particularly. I think the Jags came out and said it best. At the end of the day, they're disappointed. This was a big swing by their ownership group to bring this guy in. Two-time national championship winner. Obviously a huge name. He was supposed to be the guy that kind of came in at the same time as Trevor Lawrence to co 
I guess, collaboratively turn this organization around. Uh, And four weeks in, he's already getting caught out in Ohio doing some things that he probably shouldn't be doing. Um, Yeah, Urban Meyer's got some making up to do. And I saw a quote today. I don't know if you saw this as well. Apparently, and this is, again, where the source is from, whatever it is, he doesn't have a lot of trust in that locker room right now, whether that be the job he's doing as a head coach or in addition to just what he's going out and doing after a loss. It's one of those things where Urban Meyer, you're paid to do a job. And one of those things is you just can't get caught in those precarious situations, especially when the season is still on the line for the Jags. Again, nobody's expecting them to do too much, but you're trying to establish a culture. You're trying to set a tone for an organization that hasn't really had an identity for a long time. We've talked about that across various sports with various teams. Urban Meyer, unfortunately, is just not exactly the dude right now that's setting the best example for a young team. That's it. I think you nailed it there. It's the setting the best example. And um, I think with grown men in that locker room who are probably told right now that they can't really go out and do a whole Mm -hmm. lot with all the COVID protocols, to see their head coach – uh, who's supposed to be this mature guy go out and get caught in a situation. I don't know if I know that the, everyone's talking about the picture with the girl in the bar or the video of the girl in the bar. I know everyone's talking about that one. I saw an interview with him. I think he was on like a yacht or something. And Sounds about right. his, his buddy comes in shirtless with a bottle of bourbon or something in his hand, a whiskey or whatever it happened to be. And he's like offering him a drink. And Urban Meyer was like, get out of here. Go. No, not right now. And, and I'm like, that's more embarrassing. I know, like, whatever. Like, I know he's probably got a family and whatever. And the, the, the girl in the bar doesn't look all that great whatsoever. Doesn't look a lot like family. But to me, if, if you're an NFL coach. You're going to go do an interview with NFL Network. And you can't tell your, your buddies can't stay out of the room with it has a mirror right behind you that can see everything in the room. Like, ah, that's just, that's embarrassing. That's really bad. Anyways, let's move on, Max, because I know we got a lot more to get to here. And we got to get to Craig. And time is running short also already. Um, we're up live on YouTube. We're rolling on Twitter. We're rolling on Facebook. Everything's going. So if you guys don't mind, if you you haven't already head over to our YouTube page, we want to kind of get everyone there so that you can hit that subscribe button. We're trying to grow our YouTube fan base. We just started up our new channel. It's, uh, it's called the squad cast over on YouTube. So if you just look for that logo or the one below max, um, you can probably hit, find our YouTube channel, uh, hit that subscribe button. We want to get to hundred before too long. So let's do that. Um, MLB playoffs, we talked about that a lot, and we're going to get more into that with with uh, with Craig as well, and maybe a little with Dante. But Max, just with it for like 20, 30 seconds, who are you cheering for now? Uh, with, San with Francisco everybody? Giants. That's it. That's and, all. And, and I, I believe you'll be with me on this because it's your boy Evan Longoria is still with the organization. I, love Evan Longoria. I just remember. So um, again, I'll need maybe just a little bit more than thirty seconds, but I'll try to keep it short. AT&T Park, one of, if not my most favorite major league ballpark that I've been to. It's a, it's just an awesome atmosphere going there. And this is a team that achieved a lot of success in the early 2010s and is finding a way to recapture it. I liken it very much to what the Chicago Blackhawks are trying to do. There's still some integral pieces, Brandon Belt, Buster Posey coming back, having a year. Um, and they've got a really, really good, intriguing pitching staff. So for me, yep. the San Francisco Giants, and I mean, a lot of people might have caught on to what we were doing with the rebrand a little bit, returning to our baseball route. There was there was some motivation as such from the San Francisco Giants behind our rebrand. I'd so. like to say it was a mix between the Giants, the Padres, mm-hmm. and the Pirates. I think and between the Pirates. those three teams, you can see little elements in our logos for all from all the teams. Which is Actually, ironic because we are diehard fans of an American League team, and we borrowed right. all of our inspiration from National League teams. That's so. okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> now, Max, one thing, uh, one guy you didn't make a connection to that I find interesting that we actually had on the Rod Peterson show today, Tim Leeper. Tim Leeper. 
He was the uh, he was he's in the organization as an outfielder and base running coach uh, in the minor league system. So we we talked to him quite a bit today about the Giants, and he's very revved up about this team. So uh, I'm, I'd be okay cheering for the Giants. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give uh, the first couple of games a chance to kind of see who I'm really cheering for. Uh, let's get to the Vancouver Canucks um, because we wanted to talk about this. Elias Pettersson signed a uh, three year deal uh, at seven point three five million AAV, while uh, Quinn Hughes signed a six-year deal at a $7.85 million AAV. Uh, now, Max, I got a message from uh, one of my group chats that I'm in that said, one of these players is overpaid and one of these players is underpaid. Which one is it? And uh, I'll let you decide. But um, one thing that I will say about Elias Pettersson is that that's a great deal for the Canucks now, but in three years, they're in trouble. Mm, are they though? Cause they still haven't walked into unrestricted free agency yet with this deal. That's where I am really happy with the term of where they got to with this three years. It gives them a chance to see what the salary cap's going to do, which a lot of people are prognosticating and predicting that after this shortcoming of obviously profits due to the COVID shortened pandemic seasons, um, this is where the league is going to start to rebound. And this is why you're seeing some of these deals structured the way that they are right now. Personally, I like the term for both guys. It buys a year of unrestricted free agency from Quinn Hughes. Uh, but Elias Pettersson, there's, uh, there's a lot to like about this deal in terms of where the AAV comes in at for what he can produce. Obviously, he has to stay healthy. It's one of those interesting times where he's coming off an injury-riddled season where he didn't produce a whole lot, but... People know what he can be. And I think at $7.35 million, you're getting exactly what you need out of a franchise cornerstone player that, again, you don't necessarily know if he's going to be that superstar yet. What's his career high in points, Clark? Is he a point of game player quite yet? I don't yeah, believe well, he, so. I'm going to say he hasn't played. Well, he might have played in his in his rookie year. He might have had a full year. But um, I, I he had a really good year in that first year and kind of took a lot of people by surprise because mm-hmm. – if you recall, uh, a few teams passed over him, and I don't even think the teams below that five spot for Vancouver were necessarily going to pick him that early, necessarily. Uh, and he came out and just lit the lit the league on fire. And I will say this, and I've said this before, I'll say it again, um, with how good Pedersen and Hughes were early, I think it, what had happened was that it accelerated the Vancouver Canucks rebuild, and I don't think that they were ready for it yet. I don't think they were planning for it to be where it got to as early as it did. And that's why you saw them signing the guys like Jay Beagle and Louis Erickson in the first place, because mm-hmm. those were supposed to get them to where those guys were going to come off the books, and then this rebuild was going to take over, and they weren't able to do that because it happened so fast. Uh, and I think there's there's parts of that in other teams as well. I think of the Leafs a little bit, but I think Vancouver is a really good uh, example of I think how good those players were pushed them to a part that the point that they weren't ready yet to really be a contender and they kind of forced their hand a little bit so that's what's interesting to me about the Canucks because they went from one bad salary cap situation and now they're in a real tight one now I don't know if it's as bad necessarily because I think the players they have now might be more useful and they were able to keep Brock Besser and certain mm-hmm. guys that they might have had to deal otherwise they were able to keep those guys so that's interesting another well. underrated note for the canucks while we wrap them up real quickly though is travis yeah. hamannick is not opting out of this season as well which is really kind of alleviating some concern on that blue line uh where quinn hughes is obviously directly impacted i mean going back to the contract for just a second i think the acquisition of oliver ekman larson is going to do wonders for a guy like quinn hughes career we know what he can bring offensively but that two-way game is the the thing that he's going to have to develop a little bit and over the course of the next 
next six years. I really think that that mentorship role that Alex Edler has played for Quinn Hughes so far, now transferring over to Oliver Ekman Larson, there's going to be some really good things for Quinn Hughes ahead in his career. And now he's insulated by a really good decor. You look up and down that decor, right? It's Tyler Myers may be, I guess, the the overpaid contract that guys don't want to point to too often. But you look at guys like Travis Hamanick, Oliver Ekman Larson. Um, those are staple pieces that you can build around. I believe is Alex Edler still there? I want to say on that no, third pairing. No, he did retire. In, um, no, he's he went to L.A. He's in. He's with the what? Kings. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. I missed that in the thirty-two thoughts blog this summer. I'm but telling you, man, way. the Kings. The Kings are my uh, my dark horse. I'm telling you. Yeah, uh, Max, we got to move on. Uh, do you want to talk about all or nothing, or do you not want to talk about all or nothing? Well, we all know how it ended. It was nothing, right? Well, that's true. They, Anyways, they no, I'm just bugging you, my friend. Yeah, give us your synopsis. You watch it. I still have yet to watch it. Go right ahead. Has Craig Ballard logged in by chance? Is he waiting in the waiting room? Doesn't look like it. Nope. Okay, so I have a minute. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I, I binge watched this. Now, it came out for me a couple hours earlier than I think it was supposed to. I was able to watch it the night of September 30th instead of the, you know, midnight on October 1st or whatever. So, I don't know what time zone they, they set it to, but I was able to start watching it at about nine o'clock at night that night. Uh, and I watched the whole thing uh, in the one night. Uh, and I just figured I'd pull the bandaid off and get it over with. Uh, mm-hmm. And I don't think that, I mean, it didn't make me feel better about what happened last year to the team overall, but it made me appreciate certain things throughout the year. And it made me appreciate certain people and what they mean to the team. And when I say that, I mean, Sheldon Keefe, um, I didn't, I didn't think he had the intensity that he has. And I've heard some people say that that's a negative thing. I've heard some people say that, you know, he's too intense or whatever, but the way I saw him kind of react to how the team played early in the year, saying that they weren't good enough, even though they're winning, they were 13, two and one max. We forget how good they were right at the beginning of the year last year, but he was, he kept saying, we're not this good. We're, we're not winning games the way we should be winning games. We're not dominating we're not putting together performances that will win later in the year and he was right and we I I think I've said this to you in the past Max maybe I said it on the show if we can I don't know if somebody can go back and find the clip but I'm pretty sure I said I don't feel super confident about the way that they're winning games yes they're winning uh, but everyone said the North Division was weaker of course right that was the narrative last year and they weren't winning games that was convincing me that you know what yeah they're great and especially later in the year when their power play just completely went away, it just went away. I think they were 7% on the power play after like the first month or second, like first six weeks or something. They were dreadful. It was dreadful. Their penalty kill wasn't all that great. They got some great goaltending from certain guys when they needed it. Uh, and they were able to win games, but not the way they needed to. And it obviously showed late in the season when the playoffs where they were just getting behind early and then they had to play catch up and they were just out of energy um, by the end of all that. And, Obviously, they had some injuries as well that kind of put them in a bad spot. And that was one thing I really appreciated about the documentary is it showed the, all the behind the scenes with Wayne Simmons' wrist getting messed up as it did, with Nick Foligno's back as bad as it was. And I didn't realize it was as bad as it was, but it was not good. It was real bad uh, with you know Joe Thornton battling leg injuries all year long, both legs. I mean, he was old enough, and now he was battling leg injuries. No wonder he was looking slow at times. So uh, without getting into a whole lot more detail, I think it just made me kind of appreciate some of the stuff that they went through last year. Um, with the COVID protocols and everything that went on. And it made me feel a little bit more confident in the coaching and management staff overall that they knew the problem and they've made some changes this off season that seemed to be addressing what they were t- complaining about in the documentary. Uh, a co- couple of coaching changes, 
which should address the penalty kill power play. They've made a couple of personnel changes on the ice with players uh, that I'll see how it goes. Uh, and anyways, that's that's the general part of I, I don't want to get too into detail uh, and make people shut this off. Uh, I don't think but, I don't think I need to watch the series now. I think I got it. I all. think I summed <laughs> it up for you. Uh, there is some very good family stuff in there, Max, that you might appreciate. Uh, they go into detail with John Tavares right before his injury. Uh, they had this big, long thing with him and his wife and his kid. Uh, and then he gets injured and kind of the whole chaos around that situation. They showed Nick Felino's dad uh, hanging out with Wendell Clark, uh, which is pretty cool. They showed Austin Matthews' parents. They showed a bunch of people's parents. And I think, again, it kind of just made you feel a little bit closer to the team, which seems at times like it's a little bit too big for everybody. Uh, they, it kind of just pulled you in a little bit more. So I don't know. I guess I guess I'm in deeper now, Max. I guess so, if you could be. But you know what? Speaking about summing things up, uh, we have a gentleman in the waiting room right now that I believe we've got a 162 game Toronto Blue Jays season to wrap up. Without further ado, do, do we want to get into Robin Leonard really fast, or do you want to save that? No, for we're going to save that for a little bit later. This right. man uh, needs to not wait any longer, and I still want to talk Jays. We can talk Robin Leonard a little bit later. But again, without further ado, making his fourth appearance. On the Squadcast, in the cleanup spot, we have got our main man, Craig Ballard. Craig Ballard, yes. how are you doing tonight? Good, sir. Could be better, gentlemen. Now, great to be on the Squadcast. Let me mention the new and improved Squadcast. Loving the new and loving everything new, gentlemen, including the logo, loving all of that. Truth be told, would we rather be watching the Blue Jays play in a wild card game tonight? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. But That's a rhetorical question, Craig. Yeah. Oh, pretty darn good being on the Squadcast. Just a little behind the scenes, Craig. Uh, there was a seventy-five percent chance this episode just wasn't going to happen at all. Uh, we we had talked about internally, me and well, me and Max, and I guess Director Jordan, who's not working tonight. He's the night off. Uh, but we were gonna, we were saying like, if there is a game tonight, we're not we're not going to want to do a show. Like <laughs> we're going to watch the game. So we were we were yeah. thinking like, are we going to live stream the game? How are we going to do that? But uh, it turns in turns out we didn't have to. However. Uh, they were actually, Max, I don't know if I told you this yet, Max. Um, good thing we're not in the studio tonight because they were doing some renos. They're doing a little bit of uh, gear changes and stuff over at the ah. studio tonight. So we didn't even have access to it anyways, even though we already planned the show <laughs> to be from home. So anyways, Craig, thanks we're for We're playing in tonight. Buffalo tonight, Craig, as it were. This is our home. Oh, yeah, it's no. not our oh, home, no. you know. But <laughs> Just watch out for way. the stairs, Max. The stairs will get you. The stairs, uh, uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. So, Craig, um, without without, um, you know, blankets, blanket statementing this too much. Make me feel better, please. <laughs> well, John, everybody, I mean, in the post postmortem, what am I seeing? I'm seeing everybody. And I get it. It's human nature. Everybody pointing to a specific Marcus Samian error against Detroit, Joss Palacios in the previous weekend against Detroit. Everybody pointing to a couple of games where they didn't like what Montoya did or didn't like what the bullpen did, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let me let me be crystal clear. I get it. I get it. My point here is that there's a, a squad cast Seattle version going on right now where they're lamenting the same thing. There's a squad cast going on in Oakland. Where, now, they're not as good as the squad cast. Don't get me wrong. But other fan bases are lamenting the same thing. My point here, gentlemen, what I thought cost the Toronto Blue Jays is I'm going to do some math for you here and stay with me because I think you're really going to understand where I'm going with this. Toronto Blue Jays, 45 home games were played outside of the Rogers Center this season. Remember even that, so that was uh, 11, or sorry, 21 and 21 in the two, in the Dunedin and uh, Buffalo. Remember that one gentleman, what game one in that uh, Anaheim series was out in LA, in Anaheim, and was a Blue Jay home game. 
the Toronto Blue Jays went 22 and 23, below 500 in those home games. Now they come to the Rogers Center, 25 and 11 at the Rogers Center. That's a 690 winning percentage. That is video game numbers. That's a 56 pace win. It's a 56 pace win home season. Zero teams will put up 50. No, the, the leader this season was San Fran at 55. So, Craig, fine, you're, you're not going to get all the way up to 56. They got 47, so that's a nine-game gap. Craig, you're not just going to get all the way up to 56. You're not going to be the number one home team. Fine. Go ahead and take away two or three of those games that the Jays would have to win if all those home games were out. Go ahead and take four or five away. Go ahead and take six or seven of them away. Go ahead. The Toronto Blue Jays are still in the wild card. They only needed to be one game better than the 22 and 23 on those other road games. They only needed to be one game better at Rogers Center to be in the tiebreaker game two games better to be in the wild card right now. Like, I don't even think I'm grasping at straws here, gentlemen. I think I'm really onto something. I think this is one time where math is actually telling us a story. And you Craig, know what, I said, Craig... make me feel better and not make me feel like we were that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. That did. I, I do appreciate that. Max, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know what, Craig, at the end of the day, that's, I was very excited to speak to you, speak with you this evening on what you thought the X factor was. And I mean, again, like you said, we've seen the blanket statements all over. It was an error here. It was a, this, it was a, that it was a, whatever, but ultimately every other team in major league baseball had 81 home games, home games where they were in their own ballpark. So I'm just, again, that's exactly what I was kind of thinking as when you go into it, okay, you lament about this, you think about that. The what ifs, candies and nuts, butts, Merry Christmas for it all. But regardless, like you said, it comes down to the home games for this team, putting up, as you alluded to, video game numbers. And the other thing I guess I would like your insight on is our $25 million man, George Springer. How much of a difference does him not missing 84 games over half the season have to do with them potentially being one game better as well? I'm going to go right back to the sheer math of it, gentlemen. George Springer played 11 weeks as a Toronto Blue Jay three times was American League Player of the Week. Three of the 11, the American League voters decided, you know who was the best darn player in the whole flipping league this week? That guy out there in Toronto, George Springer. And another voter said, again? And the other voter said, yes, again. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? The production this guy had, he was just starting to get his stroke going. Remember, gentlemen, we've talked about this on the, on the squadcast before. That's a big reason I think George Springer chose the Toronto Blue Jays as his next destination. He owns the Rogers Centre, and he was just getting that stroke going. We just recently saw him get healthy enough to even return to playing center field. So if you've loved anything from George Springer this season, we didn't really get a chance to see anything yet. And of course, the main reason the Blue Jays wanted to bring in George Springer is he is historically, he's not a good postseason hitter, gentlemen. He's historically one of the greatest postseason hitters that's ever lived. Another reason we've been robbed of this playoff experience. So there I go again, not making producer Clark feel any better. I'm sorry. Yeah, there's a question from Myron. I was going to get to that. Good call, Max. Uh, are you going to be going live for any of the MLB playoff games now? For I'll just preface this, Craig. Uh, Craig is awesome on TikTok, and he goes live and watches entire mm-hmm. Jays games uh, and you know, kind of informs us of what's going on throughout the game. And it's always a good live, and there's a lot of fun you know, chit-chat between the viewers, Craig. And I think you've kind of grown into that as you've done more lives because I know you're new to it. Yeah. Uh, so I guess what's do you have plans for the playoffs to keep doing that? Or are you going to pick a team and maybe run with them? Or what are you thinking? No, great question. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate that. What I think I'm going to do, and I appreciate the interest out there as well, and, and the compliments from from Clark and Max. You guys are great falls as well. You know how I feel about you guys. Um, the what I'm, what I'm looking to do is transition into some Raptors stuff. Now the Raptors ah, season yes. officially doesn't start until October 20th, so maybe I can sort of ease into that and still do some of the 
playoff lives, A, we're all baseball fans. You all know we're going to be watching the playoff games anyway. And B, to Clark's point, man, I have lo- I, I never could have imagined how well, and you know, I say well by my standards, other people may not think it, but how well, in my, in my opinion, those lives went. They were so fun to do. Roan, Clark, we need to get Max. Max was in there a couple of times as well. There's, times. Uh, there's so many people fan, uh, from different fan bases. So I actually do think I want to do some of the, the, the playoff games. I don't know if you saw, Clark. I've had some fun as well. I got the old, Max will appreciate that. I got the old scorecard. I'm scoring yes. the games as well. Old school. Love I'm it. right back to old school. I'm scoring it as well. So I'm having a blast with it. Roan and the crew, I absolutely think that I should and will do some of these baseball games in the playoffs. Yeah. Ab- absolutely, yes. You got to do a couple of them. Yeah. Uh, so, Craig, I'm, I'm thinking back to the season, and, and me and Max have been texting back and forth pretty constantly about just, you know, your mind starts racing with, oh, man, but what if this? Oh, man, but what if this? And there's a lot of what ifs with this season. Let's look ahead to next season because I, we talked about it right off the top of the show here tonight. Um, will you look at the Jays after the All-Star break and the way that they were playing games and, and beat and sweeping teams and – Springer came back, like you said, was healthy. And Robbie Ray was just like unhittable for a stretch of time, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Jose Barrios, we talk about him. Uh, the young guys taking another step. Look ahead to next year. Um, I know it's hard to do right now because we're so fresh off of this season. And we don't know the the status of maybe a Robbie Ray or a Semyon or what's going to happen with Pay Oscar contract numbers. Mm-hmm. What's going to happen with Randall Gritchick? Uh, because he's going to be that guy this summer. We all know, or this offseason, yeah. he's going to be that guy that everyone... Bye, Randall. Yeah. Yeah. See so I, I, I put this on a, from a Maple Leafs perspective, and sorry, Max, but he's our Alex Kerfoot. Uh, all all offseason, Alex Kerfoot was getting traded every single day, and now Randall Gritchick is that guy for the Jays. I'm sorry for putting... <laughs> Max is upset because I man just pick any other team. (laughs) Just saying, uh, he's the guy. So if he can, if they can clear him, I think they're good. But let's let I'm going to let you talk, Craig. What do you think the early, 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 early outlook for next season is, and can they keep this wave going? Well, the biggest misnomer that I'm seeing in the post-mortems is what a wasted opportunity this was because you'll never get another season like this from Vlad. You'll never get a season like this from Bo. The Robbie Ray. Is it every season you have a, a Cy Young contender? No, but the Jays won three Cy Youngs in a row, being a last-place team in 96, 97, and 98 with Pat Hankin and Roger Clemens. So it's not exactly the be-all and end-all. Will Simeon be difficult to replace? We've never seen a second-base season like this ever in the history of baseball. Let's go ahead and acknowledge he will be difficult to replace, yes. But really, gentlemen, just the, w- where I really disagree is the, well, you'll never get a season like this from Vlad. You'll never get a season like this from Bo. I get it because – you know, Vlad and Bo came up in 2019. We're here for all of 2020, but you have to keep in mind that 2020 was only 60 games, the COVID season, and they were here this season. So it seems like they're starting to find their – it seems like they're starting to sort of creep really towards their um, – uh, uh, not their potential, sorry, their – oh, my God, what's the word I'm looking for? The window is opening. It's their the window is opening. They're, they're, they're full potential. They're, 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 they're yeah. really getting to their stride, and that's just not the case. Gentlemen, this season – sorry about the brain cramp there, but this mm-hmm. season, Vlad and Bo, both – just passed their 162nd game in Major League Baseball. So I get why you kind of think they've been here right. for a while. Gentlemen, and to our friends at home watching it, we've seen nothing from either one of these guys yet. We've seen nothing from Kevin Biggio yet. We've seen nothing from Alejandro Kirk. We've seen nothing from Nate Pearson. There's a few guys, gentlemen, who are just getting started, and they're absolutely going to have built-in improvements going forward. Clark's already said, hey, imagine when we get 162 games from George Springer. I think next season's Blue Jays are going to be extremely bright. I'll look for Shapiro and Atkins to bring in the next Robbie Ray. 
some someone at a nice mm -hmm. contract to bring in maybe not the next Marcus Samian, you know, because again, I mean, how well did that work out? And that wasn't a free contract. That was one year, $18 million. But I'll look for Shapiro Nackins to do some things this offseason. I'm really looking, and it's something that you guys have touched on the squad cast a couple times when we came with the trade, trade deadline, where right now the Blue Jays this season, Blue Jays are looking to make trades to get into the wild card race. Can you imagine the natural progression of this team next season? The trade deadline is to solidify themselves as World Series contenders. You gentlemen have touched yeah. on that a few times. I've been right there with you. I think that Shapiro and Atkins are building something here that is sustainable for the first time in Toronto Blue Jay history. You gentlemen know I did not think the playoff window was opening this season. I always thought it was opening 2022. But what have I always said? Once it opens, it's open for five years, eight years, 10 years. We've never been in better hands than Shapiro and Atkins, again, building something sustainable. So absolutely, next season, 81 games at the Rogers Centre next season. How about a yes, please? Next season, the Toronto Blue Jays are going to be a massively required to be reckoned with team. You can act, you, honestly, gentlemen, we can start getting excited about it right now, and I'm not even kidding. Now, we, we talked about, well, me and Max talked about maybe even sneaking out there for a game at the end of this season. So, Max, put it on your calendar. We're going to Toronto next year. We're doing it. Uh, Craig, if you want, we'll get you a ticket. You can come with us and we'll open it. it up. We'll open it up to everybody else who wants to come to a game because we're going to do Epic. it. I'm just telling you right now, Max, put it in the budget. We're doing it. Epic. Um, so yeah. I want to talk about budgets, though, for a second here, Clark. Before oh, we, yes. again, budget, just yeah. sticking with the, the off-season theme here, obviously, again, and again, Craig, it's it, like Clark said, even though the intent maybe of the first couple uh, questions of this interview or roundtable, so to speak, maybe didn't make us feel better. You always find a way to be able to make us have a little smile about what the future holds for this ball club. But in speaking to that future, did Rogers, Rogers Communications, the guys that stroke the checks, did they see enough from this fan base, from this team to say, you know what, maybe this is a period where we become the Dodgers, where we become the Yankees, where we become those perennial big hitting, big spending clubs in order to keep the band together, so to speak. We obviously saw Marcus Semyon's comments. How could you not want to be a part of a winner? But the dollars obviously need to make sense for a guy who's coming off a historic season at second base. Is this a feasible thing? And I know we've talked about it before. Is it feasible that the Jays could look to spend with the big boys this offseason to keep this band together, to go out and potentially have a record-setting season from not just an individual standpoint like we saw from many this year, but as a team? I fully get the skepticism. I'm right there with you, Jim. And one thing I want to say, one thing I would bring up here, Max and Clark, Let's think about real quick Shapiro and Atkins. So Shapiro and Atkins are real comfy and cozy. They built, I talk about them building something sustainable in Toronto. They built something sustainable in Cleveland. The, 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 the fruits of their labor are starting to come to fruition and the Indians start to enter their playoff window. As Guardians. That, oh, wait. A, a, a Guardians. You're talking about part. Yes, at the time it was Indian. No, real good. Hey, Clark, real good catch. Thank you for that. We're going to have to get Shame used to me. that. I apologize. Absolutely. The Guardians, <laughs> uh, absolutely. The Guardians open their playoff window. Right as that playoff window opens, Rogers calls and says, hey, Mark Shapiro, you know how you went through all those lean years in Cleveland and built them up? Now your playoff window's opening and you're about to have, you know, five to eight seasons of a lot of fun, a lot of success. Never mind the fun and success. How'd you like to come to Toronto and do all that rebuilding all over again? Well, there's no way, gentlemen, no way on God's green earth that Shapiro and Atkins agreed to that right as, right as the fruits of their labor in Cleveland were opening unless they had assurance from Rogers that 
early on, it may be a, a budget that you're similar to with Toronto Blue Jay baseball, but Shapiro and Atkins, you guys build what you built in Cleveland. And when the time is right, you will see you've got our checkbook. And we've already seen Hyunjin Ryu, four years, 80 million recently, George Springer, five years, 150 million. So I don't even think I'm grasping at straws here, gentlemen. I think there's actual precedence being set that Rogers is stepping up to the plate and, and, and looking to sign and looking to cut those contracts. How could they not see 2015 and 2016, you couldn't walk anywhere in Toronto without the Rogers ads everywhere. Like, how could they not see how good, how, how incredible that was for business? So I really think that the Rogers will be looking to strike while the iron is hot. Blue Jays back in Toronto, all, all the pub, all, all the all the press and excitement about it. I do think, gentlemen, believe it or not, I think we're going to see Rogers spend this offseason. I'm yeah, thinking and- about getting a part-time job at one of those kiosks just to sell yeah. cell phone contracts. If it Brilliant. means that Marcus Semyon's coming back, I'll set a quota. It'll be 200 cell phones a month, whatever it costs, Whoa. whatever it is, whatever it is, <laughs> doesn't matter. If it gets Marcus Semyon back, I'm willing to commit. I'm all in. That's the slogan for phones. next year. I love it. I'm all in. Um, so, Craig, we talk about the future, and I can't talk about the future with you without talking about some of the young guns, if you want to call them that. Uh, Max's favorite prospect of all time, Gabriel Moreno, is coming up right away. Uh, Orelvis Martinez is coming up. I know he's real young, but he's still coming up. Uh, Jordan Groshans, we can go over the list. Um, could you see any of these guys cracking a roster next year, or is it still maybe a little bit of ways away for those guys? Because uh, I was talking to somebody recently about the Robbie Ray, Marcus Semyon debate, because that's going to be the debate until it happens. Uh, right. Until something happens with that, it's going to be the debate of the, of the offseason. I keep saying summer. Um, so I said that Robbie Ray is probably uh, more important because typically middle infielders, you know, there's a lot of them and we have quite a few in the, in the system. Uh, but are they close enough to say, you know what? Let's go hard on Ray and let Semyon walk because we can replace him internally. Or is there maybe some options out there that we would have to look at to replace Marcus Semyon is what I'm trying to get at. No, great question. Well, as far as Ray's concerned, the Blue Jays are in a really unique scenario here. Now, the comparison for Ray is Zach Wheeler. He was entering his free agency about a year and a half ago at 29. He got five years, $118 million. Now, he was not coming off a Cy Young season like we certainly think Robbie Ray is going to be coming. So you got to got to figure Ray's at least at five years, $125 million, $25 million a year. The Blue Jays are the only team in a really unique position where they could mentally absorb that by saying, listen, you know what? For us, it's not five years, 125 million. Actually, if we sign that contract with Robbie Ray, it's actually six years, 133 million. Now back to math for the third time in 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 the appearance, gentlemen, back to math. That's about 21. What? That's closer to 22 million a year. Could that be palatable for the Blue Jays? So can the Blue Jays even play mentally with with uh, as far as how are, how are they going to mentally absorb that contract for Robbie Ray? Because th- there's not going to be a hometown discount, guys. That I can tell you. There will not be a hometown discount for either one of these gentlemen. So I think the Jays are you are you in sorry in a unique position in the pursuit of Robbie Ray for Semyon. Well, you called it, Clark. I mean, how are you just going to replace this, guys? The, the Blue Jays have more middle infielders coming up through the system than any team I've seen in baseball. Not, not just in Blue Jay history. I'm talking about any team I've ever seen in baseball. So it's not like the, the, the Blue Jays are just going to sign an all-autograph of a, a Blue Jay hat. They're all going to sign it and then just, just sit it at the second base spot. Like, they're going to replace Robbie Ray – or sorry, Semyon if they lose Semyon. 
Will they get that production? Boy, I think there's a lot of added production built into this roster, gentlemen. That's why I'm not as concerned with the Semyon. And I grew to love him. Vlad is going to pick it up. Bo is going to pick it up. Lourdes was off and on this season. Kirk was off and on this season. There's so many guys. Springer a full season. There's so many ways that you can replace what you're losing with, with Marcus Semyon. And again, I don't want to belittle it. But there's, there's ways to replace that. I don't know that there's ways to replace a, a left-handed killer Cy Young in Robbie Ray. So with that in mind, and uh, next up, we have Dante DeCaria coming on. He's the voice of the Regina Pats. I think he's in the waiting room. So Dante, hang tight. We're going to give Craig one more question here. Max, if you're okay with that, uh, I'll, if you don't mind, I'll take this one. Oh, I, I, got one. I, I, I just to... requested to ask to take it from Oh, did you request? Man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I did <Okay>. request. Well, <laughs> and, and just a quick point, your... Craig, I don't know if you noticed, this might have been the quickest math degree that you've ever earned to be a professor, Craig oh, Ballard, professor with Craig Ballard three now. math, I guess. We'll call yeah. it a three-year degree <laughs> with three scorching hot math takes. And speaking about scorching hot, you warned us earlier on Twitter, I would like you to go scorched earth now with your comments as to why the Jays should pursue a potential reunion with Marcus Stroman, or do they not? Go. No, I'm way on the other side of that one, gentlemen. Uh, I wouldn't have any interest if I was the Toronto Blue Jays and Marcus Stroman. When you're looking at what Marcus Stroman, the, the player, brings to the table, first of all, the Blue Jays' cupboard isn't bare for that. Manoa, Barrios, like, like a killer righty with good moon move. First of all, that cupboard isn't bare. But second of all, wouldn't we have to acknowledge Stroman's still a good pitcher? I honestly think we would have to acknowledge it. I'm just saying he doesn't really check off a box that's missing for the Blue Jays. That's on the field. The issue with Marcus uh, Stroman, as we know, is off the field. I've never seen a player be so vocal in their criticism of management, their own management, by the way, their own management at that time. And earlier in the offseason, you remember a tweet that he since deleted when he talked about uh, what a waste it is for Vlad and all these great players in Toronto. Toronto will never spend, they will never support their team like that. So again, talking about that management, think about, we get it all the time, gentlemen, we see it all the time, the comparisons of the 2021 Blue Jays to that 15 and 16 team. The biggest difference Look at the, the all-star game that, that the four Blue Jays in 2021 went to. Everybody was all over them. They were loved by everybody. That's what's happening with this team. The 15 and 16 Blue Jays were hated across baseball. Thought Donaldson was a jerk. Thought Baptista was a jerk. Thought Stroman was a jerk. And the actual ins and outs of the clubhouse itself, we know Randall Gritchich is not welcoming Marcus Stroman back. Like There are literally Blue Jays in the clubhouse right now, literally, that would not welcome him back into that clubhouse. So think of what's being built here. You've got Vlad Bo. You've got outstanding, even though it's young, you've got outstanding leadership. This is an outstanding clubhouse and culture that has been built here in Toronto. I do not want Marcus Strom. If you, if we desperately needed a righty, man, I might have to consider it, but I would still have those concerns. And the truth is, we, I, I just don't think the Blue Jays need a righty in that rotation right now to, to, to bring on all the baggage that Marcus Stroman brings to the table. And, and gentlemen, you guys already know, Stroman has brought this on himself. Yeah. And, and I mean, just bring back our boy Ross Stripling, right? I'd rather have Ross Stripling on this team than Marcus Stroman, to be honest. Europe, and uh, Friend of the show. Yeah. Friend of the show. Um, Craig, we have to let you go, but this isn't the last time. We're bringing you back for a, a five Look time. Out. I'm King Kong Bundy. Yeah. Five. I want five. Five times. Yes, I was, was going to say, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we'll bring you back because we have a lot of off-season topics to get to. We barely scratched the surface. Uh, but Craig, thank you. Every time we come every time you come on here, we learn something new. So uh, and Craig, appreciate before that. we go, as the postseason begins, sorry to cut you off, Clark. Oh, yeah. No. Who is your World Series winner tonight? as the wild card game kicks off in the American League. 
all season long, I mean, how can I come off San Fran? Because they just keep surprising us and they keep winning. I'll tell you that I'm, I know, I know Max approves of that. So I can't come off San Fran. I'm cheering for, and I thought before Devin Williams, that idiot, awesome reliever from Milwaukee in the celebration, he punched the wall and broke his, he's out now. So I thought Milwaukee was going to go to the World Series prior to that. Hopefully that's not a huge loss. But gentlemen, I really like that Milwaukee Brewers team. For Max's sake, go Giants go, right? Why not? Max is the best. Why not? I love it. Perfect. Greg, we'll talk to you again soon. Uh, stay well, my friend, and we will uh, catch up throughout the off season. Thank you, gentlemen. Again, loving the new looks, loving the loving the new everything, gentlemen. You two are the same, so we still got the great hosts, but everything else looks great. I'm looks uh, all the new stuff looks great. Loving it, gentlemen. Thanks Appreciate a ton for that. the kind words, Craig. I think I think we owe Craig a hat and or a shirt uh, when we get our new merch. So he doesn't need a hat. Look at the man. Is that a Look at his yeah, you're right. Card. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, we'll Craig. We'll up. chat all soon, right, my Greg, friend. Talk again. Yeah. All right, Max, um, without any further ado, do we want to bring in our next guest and get it rolling? Crazy not to. He's been patiently waiting. Thank you very much, Dante. Let's kick things off with a bang here. All right, Dante, thanks for coming in here. Dante is live on the ground in Winnipeg uh, ahead of their uh, matchup against the Winnipeg Ice. Dante, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I'm currently uh, in the parking lot um, just right after our, our, we just got off the bus, so um hopefully uh, unfortunately i'm not in the hotel I, you guys can't see me but uh happy to be here <laughs> i was gonna say you've i've seen you in better lighting uh but it's okay uh we're good we yeah. got you we can hear we've you. had nick alberga on the show and it was significantly worse still <laughs> yeah sportsnet's nick alberga joined us from uh the pits of hell because there was no light whatsoever that day but either way dante uh you're in winnipeg the pats kicked off their season last weekend uh, and we're gonna get into some hockey with you but i gotta get into your personal story first because we've been talking a lot of blue jays right now and i know you have a little bit of a history with the blue jays so can you tell our viewers uh and again welcome to regina because you're here now you're the voice of the regina pats uh but give us a little bit of a background on kind of how you got here sorry the lights just turned off here um oh there you go that's okay yeah so yeah, so I was actually like smiling and listening to your Blue Jays talk, just hearing you guys talk about Marcus Stroman. I will say one thing first. I do not think the Toronto Blue Jays should should sign Marcus Stroman. I am not a Marcus Stroman guy. I'm not going to get into reasons why. Um, yeah, so um, baseball is definitely, you know, my first love, but I do love hockey as well, and I think I do hockey pretty well. Um, yeah, no, I, I worked for the Toronto Blue Jays back in 2017 as a baseball media intern when I was 19. Uh, that was fun. Unfortunately, the team wasn't very good, but, you know, I did have the opportunity to meet guys like Marcus Stroman and Aaron Sanchez. And, you know, got, you know, you mentioned the jerks like Donaldson and Bautista, although, uh, yeah, maybe around baseball, they were known as that. But I thought Donaldson was actually a really good guy uh, based off what people told me in my interactions with, with him, very little interactions with him in the clubhouse. Uh, but, you know, my, my highlight of my baseball career was definitely being the uh, class A number two broadcaster for the Lancy Lugnuts. Um, Kevin Smith, who was on that team, made his debut this year with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays. Smith tore it up that year uh, with the Lugnuts. Uh, Ty Tice got called up. Uh, he was on that team. N you know, not too many big names from that team. I think one guy who could surprise some people and could maybe be a mainstay or uh, on on maybe the Blue Jays or another MLB organization uh, could be Samad Taylor, who was our second baseman that year, and he tore it up in Double A this season. You know, Chavez Young is a top prospect that could you know, maybe find his way as a fourth or fifth outfielder in the Toronto Blue Jays, you know, outfield the, you know, alignment. So we had a good team that year, but uh, no big time prospects, that's for sure. 
Tell so you what, Dante, Dante sorry, oh, yeah, Clark, ahead, to cut then. you off. My yep. apologies. The, the stream yard, we're not totally in sync quite yet, but I just have to say the Lansing Lugnuts, probably one of my favorite minor league baseball logos in all of minor league baseball. So it's uh, very interesting that you had that perspective there. I just had to throw that in there as one of my faves. Oh, yeah. I yeah, mean, no, honestly, minor league baseball. great organization, great ballpark. Yeah. Great hats and great logos. Oh, everything. Um, Dante, tell me about your relationship with Jerry Howarth, because my understanding is you were got you got pretty close to him uh, from a prof- for, for, from a professional standpoint. Uh, so tell me about Jerry, because he's one of the he's one of the greats. No, Clark, on a, not just a professional standpoint. We are very close friends. Me and Jerry Howard, you know, Jerry Howard is um, uh, I consider him like, uh, you know, second grandfather to me. Um, you know, he was my, one of my references for the, you know, Regina Pat's job, if not my number one reference. Um, you know, a lot of people would joke over the years that he was kind of like my, you know, my biggest fan, but also kind of like an agent for me. He was he was always willing to reach out to teams for me and and, and vouch for me and, and say that, you know, I had a lot of talent and I was going far and, you know, and, and, and a big work ethic. And, and I hopefully that the fans see that here in Regina. But uh, yeah, we met. 2017, he'd always come into the communications offense and he was obviously very close with guys like Jay Stenhouse and Mal Romanen and, and the likes of, you know, others in that office that had been there, you know, for a long time before, unfortunately, they were let go a couple of years ago when the new management came in. Um, but yeah, no, I got to know Jerry and he was a huge mentor for me. Um, I was calling um, a semi-pro baseball team while I was interning with the Jays just to stay hot on the mic because I, I, I wanted to continue broadcasting and that was something that Jerry recommended if I wanted to make it far. I told Jerry at the start of the year that after my internship with the Jays, I wanted to move on to do professional baseball at the minor league level. And uh, we worked towards that. But the one thing I, I loved about Jerry and why we just kind of connected so quick, so, you know, so quick was the fact that he was honest. I, rem- I remember the first time he listened to my tape, I was still a teenager and he told me it wasn't good. And I had a lot of work to do. And, you know, I didn't take that as a slight. I didn't put my head down and, and pout. I went down and, and got to work and I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't if it wasn't for him. And, you know, he he still emails me. He still Facebook's message me. He doesn't have a cell phone. Uh, he's you know, he's pretty old fashioned, old school. He doesn't have an he does have an iPad, though. So that's how he emails me. But uh, we keep in touch consistently. I know he emailed me right after my uh, my first uh, uh, home opener broadcast on this Saturday. Uh, and we went back and forth and my mom messaged with him a little bit, too, on Facebook. So, yeah, very close with Jerry. And he's been. Uh, a fantastic supporter for me in my career. Not a bad reference to have, I would say. Uh, and I think that's, uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, it, next time you talk to him, tell him, tell him we say hi from the squad cast. Uh, now, Dante, you mentioned the Pats. You got here uh, a couple of months ago. It's been kind of a whirlwind. I've seen some behind the scenes stuff with the team, just doing my, you know, third party help with you guys. And, uh, but overall you got two wins under your belt to start the season we're all done the preseason now. The games matter. Uh, and what a way to come into your first year with the Regina Pats with the roster that they have right now. Uh, and it goes beyond. Now, I will say this for anybody watching who thinks that, you know, it's all about Bedard this year. There is a quite a good player uh, amount of players on this team that need not be overlooked. Uh, so, Dante, maybe talk to, talk to us a little bit about the first two games and kind of the, the outlook of this roster. Well, I want to piggyback off your comment about how it's not just about Bedard. There's a lot of depth on this roster, and I think Saturday was a prime example of that. Of course, Friday, Bedard with the two goals. He was, you know, first star of the game, really the, the focal point in that hockey game outside of Matthew Keeper, who was very good in that 3-1 win in Prince Albert. And then the next day, you know, the back half of that home-and-home against the Prince Albert Raiders, a team that, you know, got Ozzy Weisblatt back in the lineup. He's a first-round pick of the San Jose Sharks. 
Um, and he scored a goal in that hockey game. But they had Evan Herman shadowing Bedard. If not one or two, Prince Albert Raiders were shadowing Bedard the whole game. And so since they were so focused on Connor, the rest of the team just kind of took off. Connor did score a goal, uh, the late goal, the fifth goal at the end of the game. But he had a little bit of a tough time on Saturday, given that they had two guys on him all game. Of course, he's 16 years old. When you have two guys on you, you're going to have a tough night. But that really opened things up for guys like Cole Carrier and Sloan Stanek, who had a career-high three points. Stanek with his first two-goal game of the season. Those are two guys that I really was impressed with in the preseason. Carrier's, uh, you know, from talking to him this week, says he's built a lot of confidence in the preseason, scoring five goals in six games and seven points, now going into the regular season. And he's picked up exactly where he left off. Even if you look at, you know, this team on the back end, they're very talented up front. Um, they have some depth on the back end with, you know, a guy, you know, big steady defenseman like Luke Bateman. And then you look at, you know, Leighton Feist, who could potentially come into his own this season. Last year, you know, nine points in 20 games as a 16-year-old, now in his 17-year-old season. And then, of course, you can't forget about the two drafted players, the only two drafted players on the roster, and Stanislas Fozel, third-round pick of the Blue Jackets. And then, of course, uh, you know, Riker Evans, who was a second-round pick of the Seattle Kraken. And both of them are a pointy game to start the season from the back end. So you have those two big mobile defensemen. You had a third mobile defenseman in uh, in, in Feist. And then, you, you know, you kind of mix in a Cadu or a Johnson or a Bateman or, a, you know, a Parker Berg in, in and out of the lineup. Um, you know, a Tom Cadu. Um, like I said, a lot of depth on the back end. That's the one thing I like about this team the most is their back end. But I also like the, you know, Dave Struch has done a really good job. I think he has everybody on the same page. They're young. They're ready. They have 20 players uh, returning from last year's roster. Sorry to kind of go off on a tangent here, but no, um, so fine. far it's been <laughs> the depth. Yeah, no, Clark, the depth is, you know, you've seen it. The depth has been, you know, on full display through the first two games. Wednesday is going to be a real test against Winnipeg. Of course, they're loaded. They have, you know, some, you know, some already players that are on NHL radars, guys that are already drafted to the NHL, two World Junior uh, Team Canada camp invites. So it's going to be a, a definitely a big test. And they have their starting goaltender back from the Anaheim Ducks. Max, you go ahead. You got one? Yeah, for sure. So, Dante, I guess, obviously, it's been a, a short amount of time that you've been in, in the Queen City and ingrained in the hockey culture of Regina, Saskatchewan. What are your early impressions of Regina overall? I know that, obviously, with the landscape that we've got in, in a COVID-19 world, it's a little tough to maybe see the, the full-out effects of what hockey fandom can be in this town. But what are your early impressions of Regina, Saskatchewan so far? Obviously, uh, with your professional experience uh, ranging quite uh, quite a wide range. Yeah, I mean, this is the fourth city that I've lived in. So I lived, obviously, grew up, born and raised in Ottawa, you know, lived in Toronto, lived in Lansing, Michigan, and I lived in Powell River, British Columbia. Now, in terms of, uh, you know, how beautiful, out of the most beautiful city that I've lived in, in terms of, you know, the mountains and the ocean and stuff like that was definitely Powell River. But in terms of just a, a fantastic hockey community, I think Regina is the, t the top one. You know, I mean, this is definitely the biggest market that I've had the opportunity to broadcast in. And I love it. I love the fans. I love how they expect greatness from our players, but also from me. It's not added pressure for me. I, I like the expectations. I like to set the bar high because obviously, I you know, my goal is to eventually be in the NHL one day and, and hopefully I can get there. And I think this is a big step for me. So I think that uh, so far, just as a hockey community, this is the perfect place for me. I love it. As for the city itself, um, you know, looking at places to apply this summer, um, you know, looking to get into the WHL, Regina was the number one place for me just because it's a it's a bigger city. I've I didn't want to go back to a little town like Powell River of, you know, 10,000 people. I wanted to go to a bigger city of 200 plus thousand people. And that's why Regina really attracted me. You know, I, I you have all the anemones. Um, there's definitely lots of things to do. 
Um, you know, I went to Wascana Trails, so and I, I'm a big hiker. I like being outdoors and stuff like that. So I went there, did some biking, um, and then you know I've done some biking in town. There's some nice bike paths, and I'm leave I'm living out in the greens, so it's pretty close to malls. Um, yeah, no, like when I was living in Powell River, the one thing that I didn't like in a small town the most was the fact that you know you had to order everything on Amazon and stuff like that. Like like you're living in a big city there's so much more. Um, and, and I like that. I like being in a much larger city, although it feels like a small community as well. Oh, absolutely. It's a, it's a small community that, that it definitely on a larger scale. Now, Dante, Regina, speaking of the hockey community, hasn't seen a super competitive team since this year, uh, where they hosted the Memorial cup, of course. And for obvious reasons, they loaded up and it was a pretty exciting couple of years here in Regina. Um, Obviously, Dave Strooch has been here since that time. Uh, he's taken over now as the kind of the full head coach. John Paddock was here, and they they kind of did that transition. What I'm trying to get to is now they they're two and zero to start the season. We got again. You got a big game coming up uh, against Winnipeg. Uh, tell me about the outlook of this division as a whole because it's kind of taken a big change in the last couple of seasons, uh, especially with Winnipeg coming into it and Swift Current leaving it, going to the Central Division. Um, so. How are, how are you thinking this, this vision is looking right now and how it might kind of play out? Well, I can only really speak off the teams that I've seen. And I've seen Winnipeg, I've seen Moose Jaw, and I've seen Prince Albert, and obviously I've seen Regina. And out of those teams, I think it's it's going to be a tight race. I think Winnipeg is probably the best team out of, out of the four that I just listed off. But I do think that Moose Jaw is going to be really good this year. You know, Brady Yeager is, well, from talking to James Gallo, their broadcaster says, Yeager's the McKinnon. And Connor Bedard is the Connor McDavid. That's how he kind of puts them one and two beside each other. And they were drafted two picks apart in the 2020, you know, Bantam draft, right? So those are two very talented players. Moose is also built very strong. I think they have five or six players already drafted by NHL clubs. So that's going to be exciting. Pats and Warriors see each other 10 times this season, and they'll, they'll play each other Friday. So that's going to be a test. And then we'll see what Brandon brings to town on Sunday. Like I said, I, I can't really speak on Brandon because I haven't seen them yet. But I can't speak on those four teams. Um, I do like Prince Prince Albert if they can get Caden Gooley back, if they can get Jones uh, or Allen, sorry, back from uh, from the Chicago Blackhawks. So if they can get those two guys back with Ozzy Weisbach and maybe, you know, uh, get their Belarus goaltender finally in and then add another import, then, then they should probably compete. I don't think that they'll be better than the Pats. Um, I do like their physicality. I do like, you know, their depth defensively if they can add Gooley and Allen on the back end. So it's going to be interesting. Uh, I think... Looking at it, uh, I think Regina is number two. You know, I think that Regina will finish second in, in the East Division behind the Winnipeg guys. And then I think uh, Moose Jaw and uh, and Prince Albert will kind of follow suit third and fourth. I love it. Uh, it it's going to add, it's going to be an exciting year because, like I said, it's there's been a lot of shifting going on the last couple seasons. We see some powerhouses not quite where they were. We see some of those kind of rebuilding teams getting to the point now where they're they're pushing for playoff spots. So it's going to be a fun year. Dante, what did they feed you tonight? Because I know you just had, you, I think they just had supper. What did what'd you guys get tonight? Well, we went to this place called, what is it, Frankie's? Frankie's? Um, Frankie's. Yeah, so it was a, 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 yeah, another another Italian restaurant. And I'm Italian. Of course. And my mom was just in town, thank God. Um, so we were able to whip up some nice stuff here and there. Um, yeah. But no, um, a lot of Italian restaurants, but nothing beats home cooking. So sometimes oh. I feel it's a little bit of a sin in, in just <laughs> for me, just because I'm so used to, you know, everything homemade pasta and now we're eating all the pasta on the road and stuff like that. And 
And Strucci's always like, you know, how does it compare? Or Greg, or, or trainers, like, you know, how, how does it compare? And I go, nah, you know. But no, right. I mean, listen, it's good food. Yeah, it's good. It's good food. So, uh, all right. No, just well, when Dante, with my friend here in Winnipeg as well. Oh, so. good. <laughs> When when your mom's back in town, invite us over. We want to try some home cooking from your mom. So uh, I'm looking forward to that already. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Listen, uh, I got. Let's see. I I moved here a month. I still have all the tomato sauce I brought. We make homemade sauce oh, in Ottawa, so I brought it all. Perfect. So um, maybe I can whip something up for you guys. Awesome. We're looking forward to that. Um, now, I, we're going to have to hear from some of our Winnipeg viewers because I see that John Ohm is checking in in the comments about what how good Frankie's is because uh, I'm very curious to see it, it, what they think about that. But overall, Dante, we're going to let you go because I know you're with a buddy and we want to let you have have a good evening here before the big game tomorrow. Uh, enjoy the next couple of days because I know there's a few games coming up and we'll, we'll do this again throughout the season because I want to kind of get a, in touch with you maybe after you've seen more of the teams and we can have a, a good conversation then uh but anyways 100 uh, well, always friend. happy to come on perfect stay thanks well, a ton dante we'll, uh, we'll chat soon see you guys all right uh there you go how about that now that's that, awesome that man that and jerry haworth back. story wow just the oh. the relationship there as as he alluded to earlier clark i know that again our fandom it's funny i i sometimes forget i'm 27 and you're like I don't know, nearing the back end of your prime of career and being like 30 yeah, years yeah, old yeah. and stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, Jerry, Jerry Haworth, I'm going to have to go YouTube uh, down the rabbit hole and, and oh, look yeah. up some, uh, some highlights of some calls. And obviously Dante speaks very highly of him and, and how integral he was to uh, just the, the game day production side for the Toronto Blue Jays for so many years. So that's an that incredible story. And, and uh, a guy that uh, is going to do really well with his shot here in Regina. So that's great. I agree. Uh, yeah, you're going to want to get on that Jerry Howard stuff because he's awesome, uh, for sure. Um, so, Max, I guess it's kind of free and clear now for the rest of the road here. Um, what do you want to get into? We have we we wanted to talk about Robin Lehner earlier. We didn't get to. Mm -hmm. uh, we wanted to talk about Brady Kachuk earlier. We didn't get to. We have our mm -hmm. NFL picks to make for the week, which I have to pull up a schedule for. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, but what do you want to get to first? Cause I, we have some time here. It's kind of, it's kind of our show the rest of the way. I know it's usually our show, For but sure. I you know what I mean? Yeah. A hundred percent. I think we'd be remiss not to talk about the Robin Lehner, um, I guess headlines that, that came out of this weekend, obviously Sunday it, uh, it was, it was a bit of a, uh, we'll just say it on, on the after dark episode, not being in the studio. It was a bit of a shit storm on uh, Sunday on Twitter with some of the, uh, the tweets that Robin Lehner put uh, out to the hockey world. And I know that hockey Twitter was kind of set ablaze on, on a very, very touchy subject. One that uh, I'm certainly not going to pretend to be an expert on. Um, I'm sure that you probably echo that sentiment, but uh, again, if you have opinions, please feel free to fire away. I think uh, the biggest thing to take away from this, and I was listening to now 32 thoughts, uh, Elliot thought, Friedman yeah. and Jeff Merrick, a, a very good episode. And they're, they're fantastic at relaying the information and, and eloquently putting out um, touchy subject matter and finding a way to communicate it very, very properly. And um, I think the, the biggest sentiment was this started with Jack Eichel. Robin Leonard was obviously part of the Buffalo Sabres organization kind of right when Jack Eichel was coming in to be the franchise turner, the cornerstone piece that the Pagulas, the ownership group there, figured was going to be game-changing for that organization. And the mistreatment of Jack Eichel is you're starting to see a ripple effect of players start to question, well, what if that happens to me? 
Um, and I think it's, it's not from a selfish standpoint that they do that, but it's more of a, you know what, this is happening to Jack, a premier talent in our league. And it's, it's not right. It's not okay. And I think that this is where, again, just part of the conversation that he started on Twitter, uh, came from, but it was the, the early parts of it that, uh, I guess for, for Robin Leonard, he'd had enough. He, he obviously has a past where he, um, has been outspoken about, uh, I don't want to say outspoken. He's spoken up about things of mental health, being an advocate and an ally for people that go through struggles in, in day-to-day lives that we all go through. And when it comes to Robin Lehner, uh, I don't think that there's maybe a better advocate in the league considering what he's gone through to speak on certain things. Now, can you do it a little bit differently than going on Twitter and doing so? The NHL, I think, would have preferred him to do so. But I think the the best analogy that I can put on it is every professional sports league has monsters in the closet. And unfortunately, those monsters don't really come out until you shine a light on them. Robin Leonard certainly shined a light on this one. And again, a a situation that I will repeat myself. I'm not the most educated person on, so I don't want to speak too, too greatly to it. But I think ultimately the quote that comes out from Robin Leonard that means the most in this situation is he doesn't want to burn this down, meaning the NHL. He wants to see and help be a creator of change to create a healthier happier national hockey league, which is a league that we're all incredibly passionate about all of our fanalists here, uh, yourself, myself, the roots of why this show started was our hockey fandom. Um, and to see a better league, our favorite player was, was knocked out of the league early in his career due to concussion issues and things of that nature, where, um, it's obviously people find different ways to cope with different substances and things of that nature. But again, uh, this was a, a very, very heavy topic to digest on a Sunday and one that I uh, we certainly haven't seen the last of. But when it comes to Robin Leonard and his comments, um, it was about time. And the way that it was articulated maybe could have been done differently. However, uh, it was done the way that it's done. And now it's out there. So let's see some change. So John Ohm is commenting. And I, I agree with John Ohm. And I understand what he's saying. He says, as, as Bettman said, contact us first before using mm-hmm. Twitter to express your opinions. He has an open door policy. That's what Bettman mm-hmm. was saying. Uh, and I will take, I will, I will see your Robin Lehner and raise you and Akeem Aliou. Uh, mm-hmm. so where, what I saw and kind of what drove this home for me was, yeah, no, I thought, you know, maybe Lehner could have done this a, a bit more, you know, back, you know, private room. Let's have a conversation and figure this out. Cause this is what I've heard. Can we make this better? Akeem Aliou came out and retweeted all of the stuff that Lehner is saying. And he said, Hey, listen, uh, I tried that way. I tried to go the, you know, talking to Bettman first way. Two years later, I'm still waiting for an answer. Uh, mm-hmm. He hasn't gotten any changes. Nothing has gotten resolved in his storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he's made a massive change. Akeem Aliou, I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. He's, there's a lot of changes that have come because of what he did. But that's after he spoke out in the public. Mm-hmm. And that's when it changed. There wasn't change before that happened. He tried going the other way. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. Then he spoke out. Stuff happened. What people need to understand with the NHL, I think, and like you said, most sports leagues, is that there is some stuff that goes on behind the doors that people don't want to know about. This is what we saw with the Chicago Blackhawks situation. And again, we're getting all we're getting all sorts of stuff out on the open here uh, that we haven't talked a ton about on the show because we typically, you know, we don't necessarily go into it all the time. But the Chicago Blackhawks stuff, that stuff was swept under the rug, and years for later, years. there's people suffering from it for years, exactly. And uh, what? 
John Oma saying, don't get me wrong, I feel this frustration. And I, I think John, we're, we're, not, we're not arguing. I think we're agreeing that basically what he's trying to do is, is alert people that, listen, there's some stuff going on here that we don't necessarily like. And we want to make sure everybody knows about this so that maybe it changes. And mm -hmm. I think there is power in today's world with social media and making stuff happen faster than it used to. And I think there's a certain, uh, you know, group of generation that maybe that um, that isn't used to how quick that happens. I know mm -hmm. that there's I think there's a lot of kind of we need to go through processes and that's the old way of doing it. And, and nowadays and this is this is younger than me. This is younger than you. Um, but people people in this generation that are coming up don't want to wait and we're talking about nolan patrick who's a 23 year old kid and and he doesn't want to wait for results he he wants to let everybody know about it now and get it done like he wants this mm -hmm. changed uh and robin laner used his platform to i i think honestly i think he kind of spoke for nolan patrick a little bit mm -hmm. um because i i feel like nolan patrick might be maybe was asking some questions and wasn't getting the answers that he was hoping for mm -hmm. uh, and robin laner did, saw this as an injustice so I'm gonna I'm gonna say sit here right as of today and, and kind of applaud Robin Lehner for mm -hmm. for his efforts in this. And again, I think it's just the generation that we're in where um, waiting for the processes to take place isn't the way that it happens anymore. And it, it's gonna take some time to get used to that. But that's just kind of this. I think it's the generation that we're living in. And what's the what's the reputation of hockey players, right? It's the guys that you know what we don't say nothing. We put our hard hats on and we go to work every day the times are changing. And I think it's one of those things where, yeah. as you alluded to perfectly, Clark, right, the power of social media and the tool that it can be used to do. Um, of course, Gary Bettman and the league offices are going to be saying what they need to say from a political correctness standpoint. There's PR departments to make sure that they write those statements and things of that nature. But again, as, as you alluded to, right, things don't get done until they're shone in the public eye. And all of a sudden your stockholders are taking a hit, right? And that's where, Again, Robin Leonard is, is clearly fearless in his initiatives, which is a very, very strong, um, a strong thing to possess as a human being, not just an NHL hockey player, goaltender, um, but just as a person in general, to stand up for what you believe in, to use your platform for the greater good. And I think ultimately the greater good of the league and the players that he skates with every single day will hopefully see positive changes. The one thing I did see that came from it is he did have a discussion with the National Hockey League. Uh, and I guess it went quite well. The details of that meeting obviously will remain behind closed doors. But again, I guess we'll see what the meaningful change is going to be um, yeah. as a result of these actions. So as you alluded to, I got nothing to say but good things about Robin Leonard. And just at the end of the day, it's uh, let's see some change. As he said, he doesn't want to burn it down. He wants to see change. And I think just to put a bow on this, we've seen uh, we don't even need to name names here, Max, because everybody's heard the names that have been involved in this. But. We've seen a number of guys in the NHL come out of the NHL, I should say, in the last, I'm going to say decade, with addictions issues. Mm -hmm. And this is just one of those issues where now, now there's there's this you know storyline that they're giving these drugs that they aren't necessarily telling them what they are or what they might have what, what they might be capable of mm -hmm. and that just doesn't it doesn't all come together in the best light uh so we'll leave it at that um because i think that's enough on that topic i think we covered it pretty well um let's look let's look back on the ice here a little bit because uh an interesting thing happened today max kind of made me uh go like this a little bit uh 
in my fantasy hockey league. Now that I don't want to talk fantasy hockey necessarily. Nobody cares about your fantasy hockey team, Clark. (laughs) Not, not one person. And I get that, but Brady Kachuk got dropped in one of my leagues today. Dropped. And it's a, it's a long-term keeper league. So I was, I I had to like look at it for a good couple of minutes. Mm -hmm. And, uh, before you promptly picked him up before I put a waiver claim in immediately. Yes. <laughs> uh, now it turns out the guy tr- was trying to find a loophole and uh, there's a long story. It doesn't matter, but the, he, what's, what I'm getting at is he doesn't have a contract and the season's literally around the corner. Uh, and you know, there's reports now, Chris Johnston, uh, who has, man, has he been in the news lately? Uh, I'd love to try to get him on the show, but I don't know if he has any time <laughs> um, <None>. because <laughs> like he's on everything now. Uh, but man, uh, he came out with a report today that, you know, the senators might have to start getting ready to not have this guy on their roster. Uh, and I hate, I know you hate when I do this, Max, but as a Leafs fan, um, I'm used to this because we, we just saw this, uh, you know, a couple of years ago with William Nylander, we had to wait until December to get that guy in the roster. And the senators are looking at that potentially with Brady Kachuk, who, uh, in for argument's sake is more, He's more important for the Senators than William Nylander is for Leafs, arguably, but probably. Um, so, Max, I don't know. Tell me what you think. Are the Senators making a bad mistake here by doing this? Uh, I think at the end of the day, right, it's context is important here, right? And I think we talked about a little bit earlier with the Elias Pettersson situation, right, of, okay, these players, these young superstars where, again, we've seen the prime age of the league drop. It used to be from 27 to 30. Now you're looking at your prime years from about like 22, maybe even 21 to 25, 26. Yeah. And I might argue, I might argue that it's a little bit longer now too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think just the way that these guys are training, it starts earlier and I think it might even go till the same as it used to 30, 31 ish, but it starts earlier. And those guys are the, they're the guys now, those young guys. And, uh, again, I don't know if the uh, the last generation of management staffs are ready. We're ready for that because these guys have really made an impact, as I mentioned earlier with Pedersen. Anyway, sorry, Max, I cut you off. Go ahead. Oh yeah, no worries. And again, right, it's as you alluded to, right? It's uh, it's amazing to see just the change that we have in the last, especially five six years out of the draft. Really, I mean, since the days of Connor McDavid, has we've really seen the shift of 18, 19 year olds. There's talk of Cole Sillinger possibly making the Columbus Blue Jackets, and which is very very exciting on all fronts, especially at a local level here. Um, but uh, again, it just goes to show the impact that young young players have in this game when it comes to their contracts. Again, I, I love alluding to it because it probably is my favorite hockey podcast. But Jeff Merrick, Elliot Friedman, thirty two thoughts talking about the ultra competitiveness of it's pretty good it's not bad it's got a few listeners um but uh talking about the ultra competitiveness of these players these young superstars and that they don't get to where they're at without having a competitive edge in every facet of their life that means on the ice in the weight room and in contract negotiations they want to earn more money than the next guy and that's not necessarily a selfish thing but that's it's a motivating factor obviously when you have the talent that you have and have the ability to touch the amount of lives that these players do um you want to see it be worth your while and to maximize your earning potential now for brady kachuk and the ottawa senators we've talked about it many many times eugene melnick isn't a guy that hands out dollars very very often um and this is what's really cost ottawa in terms of their superstars right eric carlson gone mark stone gone brady kachuk who knows what's going to happen with him um it's a matter of again do does Brady Kachuk sign the three or four year deal, which the senators don't necessarily want. They want some cost certainty on a longer term deal. Um, and they got Brady it with K- Thomas Shabbat in fairness, exactly. Thomas Shabbat, they, they got the eight years. A hundred percent. 
I'm, I'm, a, but I'm Thomas Shabbat's jump. not their future captain either. Well, he so. might have been for a second. Uh, for a he second. was in that conversation. Uh, but I agree. I think Brady Cook's the guy. But I'm I'm wondering, and I think you're alluding to this, but uh, it's, uh, Ottawa they have to want long, and I don't think Brady is in that situation. We we've seen too many of the young guys now go with the three or four year, um, and I think the teams, like you said just a second ago, the teams want that long term security, especially in a market like Ottawa where guys don't necessarily want to go there every off season. Uh, they're not the number one team on a lot of people's lists. Uh, so if they can lock these younger guys up, I think that's what they want. Yeah. hundred percent. And we also forget that this kid's last name's Kachuk. His dad's yeah. been through this. His brother's been through this. It's not going to be an easy negotiation right from the get go. And Brady Kachuk knows how valuable he is to the Ottawa senators. The Ottawa senators now need to determine, okay, how valuable is Brady Kachuk to this franchise? And this, this posturing that Eugene Melnick and the Ottawa senators front office do, I mean, okay, it may save you a few dollars, but at what cost in terms of your fan base and creating trust there, that's where I'm not on board with this anymore. And I might get lit up by a certain TikTok user for this take, but <laughs> no, when it I comes, don't think so. I think you when, agree with you on that. But when it comes to these players and I guess the history that the Ottawa senators have, unfortunately, it just hasn't been a good road with their homegrown superstars, right? They drafted Mark stone. They drafted Eric Carlson. They drafted Brady Kachuk to be these franchise cornerstones. And if you're not going to pay them to be that, well, they're not going to be a part of your franchise for a long period of time. So I don't know if I'm looking at it and I want to throw a hot take out there. And if, if things aren't going as well as they say they're going, is Brady Kachuk a guy that you look at offer sheeting? I know that we know that the percentages of that happening, maybe a little hot take Harry there, but if there's a team out there that is going to look at this and say, okay, well, you know what? If Ottawa doesn't want to pony up 10 million bucks a year for this kid or nine or eight or whatever it may be, let's give this kid an offer that blows him out of the water and find him being a franchise cornerstone for our, our team. I mean, again, we've talked about the percentages, the low end of that happening, especially at this time of the year, but it's time to hold Ottawa accountable a little bit here and force Eugene Melnick to pull out that checkbook when it comes to his franchise cornerstones. Because again, you want a new downtown arena. You want to new this, you want to new that. But if you're Ottawa, what reason have you given the fan base to really trust that you are going to build this sustainable period of winning that hasn't been heard of before that you put out in your rebuild statement three, four years ago, the, the, the unprecedented move, success, the unprecedented yeah. level of success. Level of success. So now, that's Max, just, yeah. just to add to your little uh, conspiracy of, sorry, I don't like maybe, Ottawa right now. I really don't <laughs> <laughs> To add to your conspiracy of uh, an offer sheet. Uh, wouldn't it be fun if the Arizona coyotes just threw the kitchen sink at Ottawa right. and said, here you go. And that's, oh, yeah. you know, the, his dad played the there, Keith right Kachuk angle. Yeah. He'd be oh. wearing the Kachina again. Oh, oh man, man. Wouldn't that be awesome? That would be something. I uh, like that. No, See, that's see where the hot takes are fun to throw out sometimes is, you know, yeah. and that's, that's a team that could conceivably do it right. They're looking to find those players well, they, they that just would added be 48 that. draft picks. Exactly. <laughs> they, they can, they're going to be good eventually if they're in Arizona yeah. or not, they're going to be good. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's a saga we... that uh, we'll see the conclusion of it hopefully sooner rather than later. Hopefully the sooner. Le- I want to see this Canadian guy on the hockey. Ice. Yeah, well, that's exactly it. The league, Canadian hockey, is better with a guy like Brady Kachuk on yes. the ice, 100%. It's better, 100%. The league is better for it. Everything's better. We want to see Brady play games, not sit mm-hmm. in a press box, or not even in the press box. He's not under contract. But um, before we move on to our 
NFL picks, which I believe is next. Uh, I just want to mention we are going to be doing this similar style setup format uh, on, I think, would we decide on Sunday morning, Mac? I don't have to do a Pats game Sunday night anymore. I don't know. If oh, interesting. Sunday night. Uh, Sunday, Sunday night, night I have NFL football plan that I don't want to compete. Right. With, we don't so want to, yeah, <laughs> we okay. don't want to so compete gonna, with the bills and the yeah. chiefs. Cause let's be honest, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen might be a little bit of a better draw than us. <laughs> uh, maybe, uh, but we're going to be doing a big <laughs> NHL preview. Now, if you saw our NHL playoff preview, we went deep. We went pretty deep on the NHL Clark, playoff can you, can preview. Can you please tell the audience what the actual name of the show is going to be? Or we... uh, I'm going to let you do that. But uh, again, if you saw, it's going to be similar to our NHL playoff preview. It's going to be similar to our Kraken Ganza, which we had before the Kraken draft. Where Jeez, our marketing through, department is good. We went through every single team, broke, broke the teams down, talked about who they might pick. That was a show. <laughs> that was a show and a half. That was an Avengers uh, Endgame so, level performance right yeah, there. We're going to be doing a league-wide um, Sunday morning this weekend, Thanksgiving Day. Grab uh, your Sunday. coffee, your pumpkin spice lattes, and let's yeah. talk some previews. From 9 a.m. Mountain Time to about 11. We're going to try to cap it to two hours. <laughs> uh, but we You know, my uncle has a saying, Clark. It's called trying leads to failure. Um, right. Don't try. Do. Uh, so we're going to, we're going to do that. Now, Adam Schultz has been asking about this. Um, he's asked it a couple of times and I want to address it. Uh, I don't know the full story here, but I kind of just, when he said it the first time, Adam, I went and just kind of checked. Uh, so I guess what happened, and I don't know if you know more about this, Max, just, did you hear about this? Uh, is this extending back to last season? I feel like McDavid seems to always kind of have at least a once a year kind of thing where it's, okay, I would like to set up my season to make sure I'm not having these dangerous situations that again, more me off the ice. Similar. Yeah. So, yeah. So they were playing, they're playing the flames and I guess he was driving the net, but he was, he was going wide and, uh, uh, Chris Tanev put his stick in between his legs, tripped him, and he flew into the net. Uh, and it's obviously dangerous for everybody if that happens. So mm-hmm. basically his comments, uh, and it's just kind of what you just alluded to, uh, his comments essentially were, we don't want to see this happening. I don't want to fly into the goalie. The goalie doesn't want me flying into him. Tanev doesn't want me flying into anybody. Uh, so let's just let's just stop doing this. And I think it's just uh, the way he put his stick, the way he used his stick, I think, to try to stop the play is something that I guess uh, it sounds like he's been trying to get addressed for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, at the same time, it's Connor McDavid. What are you supposed to do to stop this guy? He's impossible to stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks like Max Ritz out there in the beer leagues, which you're starting up again, right? Yes, sir. Uh, but by the way, I totally dropped the ball. I forgot to bring in your helmet today. Sorry. That's okay. That today? You no, I, I, I just, I got to grab it uh, by Thursday. Okay, Thursday puck drop helmet. season opener. Grab that helmet. Anyway. Guess who I'm playing uh, for Clark? Oh, who are you playing for? The Canadians. Boo. Sorry. Uh, sorry. Like, is it a, the jerseys and everything? Yeah. How, yeah. I don't know how you're going to live with yourself. Like, just even not as a not as even a Leafs fan. Just my grandpa's fan. favorite team, so there's some ties there. That's fair. Who, who are you playing with? I know with a lot of people watching probably won't have any idea, but who are you playing with? Well, I'm playing with my dad, so that's, oh. that's a big motivating factor as to why I'm stepping back on the ice. Life's too short not to have those good experiences with yes, your family, so uh, to yeah. get to, to catch some passes, some suicide passes from, uh, sorry, that's maybe a, a joke in bad taste, but some, uh, oh, some head down passes that maybe I should not receive from my dad on the blue line. Um, that's uh, going to be a fun time. And then uh, it's just his, a, it's a, his group. It's his group. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, a little, awesome. little bit of an older group, which works for me because you know what? Let's be honest. I'm not in a contract year. I've lost a step or four. 
um, is uh, what it is. Uh, you could call me Joe Thornton out there. I've got the beard. Yeah. It's a bit of a different color. Um, but yeah, I've oh, lost man. a step or four. So it's just going to be fun to step back out on the ice and is just it? really enjoy some quality time with my dad and, and guys totally. that I have played hockey with in the past. So it'll be good. The difference between you and Joe Thornton is Joe Thornton, you should see him in the documentary, man. He looks like a freaking inflatable, wacky arm flailing, inflatable arm flailing tube, man. He's got these big, massive, like individual leg, like oxygen inflatable things that go on his legs after the games and he's in there every single game last season during that documentary and it just looks ridiculous i uh, would uh, I, guess- I would argue the other difference between me and joe thornton is about 1700 ish points in the nhl that might be the other yeah. thing how many points does he have he uh, doesn't have 1700 he he's got to uh, have he 15 a, he's one of i think he's He's one of the all-time leaders in all-time assists. I know that, but I don't know the exact number. But we he's have like the technology. Top, I need to look this up before I throw that out. Either way, like, it's a lot of points in the NHL that oh, I yeah. just don't have. <laughs> he's top three, I think, in all-time assists, if not even maybe higher than Oh, that. yeah. No, maybe 1,529 even. points. That's that's a good career right there, not I would bad. say. Hey, not he's bad. a bona fide Hall of Famer, no? Yeah. Oh, oh he has to be. He has to be. Yeah. Even though he hasn't won a cup, he has to be. And maybe he wins a cup of Florida this year. We'll get into that in the preview show on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyways, let's do our NFL picks, Max, because that is, I think, the last We got an over-under to hit that a couple of people aren't uh, terribly confident in us in. Uh, I do want to say, Robin, you know what? I may have to take you up on that. I've, I've driven a lot further to uh, acquire Predators gear than, uh, than that. So when it comes to uh, signing up for that, uh, you know I'm always on board with anything. That sounds interesting. Logo. Now, I'm also a guy who hasn't skated in a while. So if we're going to make a road trip out of it, I think I have to strap him up too and, and maybe head out there with... I'll with, get the uh, Squadcast helmet decals ready to roll. Let's do it. Um, Robin, you send the invite. You send us the details. You you give us gas money and we'll be there. Yeah, I was going to say a couple <laughs> hundred bucks for gas. You know you yeah. know what? Actually, just a limo out there. I don't want to tire myself Ooh. out driving on the way. Uh, can't guarantee any focus. sort of point production out there. Yeah, yeah exactly. we got to dial up Nickelback for at least nine songs before yeah. we get there. Like It's, it's just got to be a ready, ready-made affair for sure. A little a little Papa Roach maybe. John Ohm, thank um, you very much actually, for the comment. Hey, I do agree. I do have a nicer beer than Thornton. Thank you. We were going to do that, right? We were going to do... Uh, pump up song drafts yes that may be for when we're back at uh back at back at our uh home studio, uh, stadium studio. for uh, uh so myron myron's watching myron just so you know you've set off uh a massive like chain of events in max and i's brains of all these drafts that we could be doing <laughs> and max's new one that he wants to do is a pump up song draft so i think maybe next week we'll get into that maybe the week after but very Have soon to do we some want to research. get into it a pump up song draft. Yeah. I'll have to get back into, I'll have to open up uh, Na- uh Napster and see what comes up in my old Napster uh, files from back. Beers and Smokies. Oh, that also sounds good. Jalapeno oh. cheddar, uncle Robin, jalapeno Chad Smokies. Now we're talking. Let's, uh, um, get a little heartburn going. Picks. Now, Max, I, f- I forgot to check what your record was last week in, in squad select. Mine was three and two. We were um, both the same because my Rams decided to shut up. Yes. Um, we both had teams that were massively disappointing. You had the Titans that lost to the Jets. I had the Saints yeah. that lost to the Vikings. Giants. I think it was Giants. Yeah, the Giants. Uh, and by the way, Andy McNamara's question from last week: Who's going to be the first team to win a game? I did not expect it to be the Giants. Uh, <laughs> I did not no. expect it to be a Giant. Um, but anyways, our battle game this week. Uh, since I think carryover, do I get to pick carryover because we pushed with three and two records this week? So is that still because we I both did? Because I had five and all the week previous. Yeah, correct? Were, yeah So I'm going to sure. be picking the first game and the battle game. Yes, sir. Okay. So first game tonight. Let's get into that. Um, my first pick of the evening 
is going to be uh, you had. Oh, man, there's some interesting matchups this week. This is a good week. I like this one. I'm going to go with my first one. I think the Titans are going to bounce back against the Jaguars. I'm going to go Titans over the Jaguars for my first pick. Are you taking notes of these, please? Sure. Or do you want me to? My, my laptop that I have the script open on, the keyboard is brutal. It's like an eleven-year-old laptop. Man, you brag about your multi-laptop setup. You got your lighting. You got your hairspray. Oh man! Nobody, nobody, go to Clark's house with a lighter right now. Otherwise, his head's going. This hair right now, I was not having any luck at all. (laughs) Uh, But this laptop is great. But I don't have the script open on this laptop. It's this one, and it's my eleven-year-old laptop I got when I went to school in California. So you're afraid to touch it, and it might just spontaneously. Well, the keyboard sucks. None of the letters work. So (laughs) you just do that part, okay? (laughs) Okay, guys, (laughs) just just show the comments, run the show, hit record, all that stuff. You do everything, man. Now I know how Jordan feels. This is tough. This is tough. Yeah, Connor Anderson's <laughs> checking in. Hey, Connor, it's been a minute. Thanks for joining us. Uh, John says Napster. Is that still a thing? No, but it pioneered everything. It pioneered everything, John. That's right. uh, anyways, you go ahead. Your first pick. Oh, man. You know what? Like I said, there's some interesting matchups this week. There, It's not a lot of walks, though, right? So when it comes to yeah, the I mean. Jets that's and the Falcons, there's one to get up for. Yikes. Uh, 7.30 a.m. Are they going to be playing in London or something? Is that, oh, is you that know maybe what? like they the London well- game? They very well could be playing overseas. Let me just hmm. double check that one. They would put the Jets and the Falcons overseas, though, because nobody cares about that one this year. No kidding. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, well, anyways, you I'll know what? I, uh, in oh, it times is in London. Like, it is. It, it, it is. In, yeah. That would make sense. When I saw the start time, I was like, hmm, that don't make a lot of sense. But anyways, it does yeah. now that it's uh, overseas. So I, I, you don't make a living betting against Tom Brady. Uh, obviously, the, uh, the game on Sunday night wasn't exactly the walk that we uh, thought it was going to be. Um, but it uh, it was it was still a Tom Brady victory. And uh, when it comes to uh, the Miami Dolphins this week, I think he'll find a way. Traditionally, I think he hasn't exactly played all that well. Uh, but I want to say this game's at home for them. I believe, yeah, they're at, the, yeah, uh, at Raymond home. James Stadium. So I'm going to take Tampa Bay and the Buccaneers over the uh, Miami Dolphins. That's a, that's a great pick. I really like that pick. I'm going to go uh, back to the team that screwed me over last weekend. Oh, the um, Atlanta Falcons, eh? No, well, I might do that for my last pick again, but <laughs> I'm going to go Cowboys over Giants. I think the Cowboys are playing really well right now. I think the Giants winning was a massive fluke. Uh, I still don't think they're they're all that great, and I think the Cowboys have a chance to – they have a better chance to beat the Giants anyway. The so I'm going to pick the Cowboys. Cowboys. Well, you know yeah. what? i got to go with my boys here. This is a revenge game, obviously short rest on a Thursday night. I mean, the Seattle Seahawks, it's – I don't know. I don't know what the Seattle Seahawks are. They they finally scored some points in the second half for the uh, first time in a long time. But uh, mm-hmm. I think I think Matt Stafford's not going to lose two games in a row for the LA Rams this year. So I'm going to take my boys in the Thursday nighter and uh, have a little bit even more reason. Oh, actually, you know what? I'll be on the ice. I'm going to be missing some of this game. Oh, so maybe that's a good thing for my sports fandom not to yell at the television all the time. So uh, we'll do that. Keep <laughs> right. a few extra years on the ticker. Good stuff. I will go with, so this is where I picked two. I will go over to Monday night. I'm going to pick the Monday nighter. I'm going to go Baltimore over Indianapolis, Baltimore at home. Uh, Indies, you know, they're struggling so far this year. Uh, they've had some really coming off bad a w, though. statuses. They are coming off a W. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to say Baltimore has it, uh, especially at home and the big stage. I think they, mm-hmm. they got this one. So I'm going to go with Baltimore. 
I like that pick. And you know what? Joe Burrow showed out. The Bengals are three and one, but this is going to be a very right. interesting test for them. Yeah. Um, I really, I got to go with Aaron Rodgers here. If you pick the best quarterback in each game, typically you're going to win most of those games. Um, Joe Burrow yeah. is a burdening, burgeoning star in this league. Chad Isaac will be very happy to hear that. Uh, in terms of sharing that thought, I know he knows that very well. But when it comes to uh, this week itself, I think the Bengals are going to come back down to earth a little bit. They, they barely handled the Jags 24 to 21. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers might uh, have his way with the uh, the old orange tiger cats there. Fair enough. I saw that game, but then I thought earlier today I was talking to Darren. It's Dupont a trap game. He was doing his power rankings and I was like, the Bengals are three and one. What is going on in this world? Um, I'm going to go with the one on my schedule anyways. That's right below that one. I'm going to go Raiders at home over the Chicago Bears. Mm. Uh, I think that's a decent matchup. I know the Bears have some really good stuff going on on their defense. But from what I understand, if I'm remembering this correctly, I think Akeem Hicks might be hurt. And he's mm -hmm. kind of their their big X factor on that defensive line. Uh, I Well, I shouldn't say he's the X factor because they have other guys too. Khalil Mack comes to mind. But they uh, they have a lot of guys. Uh, that, you know, I just I don't love what their offense is doing right now. Mm -hmm. So I will go with uh, Vegas at home over Dub Bears. Dub Bears. Jeremy Corgan. Jeremy Corgan's gonna be pissed that I did that one, but I gotta do it. <laughs> you know what? This is gonna be a tough one for uh, for my fourth and final pick here. Um, I'm looking at a few games right now, um, but you know what? There's I have a to say, that are still decent matchups. Yeah, and I mean, I this is the danger. We we talked about this. This is the danger with picking Sunday games on a Tuesday when it comes mm -hmm. to injury status, this, that, and the other. I know George Kittle mm -hmm. wasn't super healthy last week for the 49ers. Oh. I still don't know if Jimmy G is going to be playing for them this weekend. Um, but, man, the Arizona Cardinals, again, this is where Kyler Murray is. I, I have to give credit where credit's due. Tanner Ring, if you're tuned in, I will give your boys some credit here. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, they might just be for real. Their, their rough spot might have been against the Minnesota Vikings in week two, and they still found a way to win that game. Um, so I'm looking at the schedule. I'm looking at Kyler Murray, and I'm saying, why not? Why, why not, not for Kyler Murray? So Fair. Okay, that's a bold pick. That's a real bold pick. Yeah, um, division game. I got, I got the entire NFC West covered for picks, so we'll see if it happens. Go. Uh, if your picks are all locked in, some of the other matchups this week, uh, the Jets are playing the Falcons in London. Uh, the Patriots ball, against yeah. the Texans. I thought you might go Patriots over Texans in that one. Uh, yeah, I like Lions, the way they played this week. Yeah, Lions versus the Vikings. That's a – I don't want to touch that game at all. Uh, the <laughs> Eagles-Panthers. Now, again, the Panthers uh, with Christian McCaffrey, that might be a walk in the park. But without him, who knows? Chuba Hubbard, I love the guy. I'm, I'm excited to see him continue to – get some uh, experience under his belt. Saints, Washington, the Saints have screwed me too many times this year. And Washington, every time I pick against them, they win. <laughs> they uh, find a way. So I just left that one They're alone. They're your nemesis, but yes, sir. A couple interesting matchups. Anyways, our our, uh, our battle game this week is the Bills and the Chiefs. Now, that's a big Sunday night game. Very happy not to um, pick this one. I'm very happy to defer on the coin toss. You're going to defer, yeah. yeah. So uh, – the Chiefs are at home. They they're coming off a win. They're two and two. Um, not ex I think a lot of people expected them to not be two and two. Uh, but the Bills, they're the Bills, man. Like they're pretty good. Um, I I'm having a really hard time picking against the Chiefs at home on the big under the big lights. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm just gonna go with the Chiefs at home. I'm gonna take the home team on this one. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. I, I think the Bills are. 
are going to really give them a good test. And I, I, I really hope that this game is like one of those ones where it's like 31-28 or something like that, and it's really close, comes down to the last play. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go with Mahomes and the Chiefs on this one. Well, just, and maybe a little hope and pray. Yeah, maybe a little tidbit fact that uh, you might not be aware of. Josh Gordon, remember that guy? Oh, he yes. just got promoted to the 53-man roster, so he very right. well could be in uniform for the Sunday Nighter. Yeah. Um, that adds a weapon to that dynamic offense already, right? Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey. I'm worried. Yeah. It worries me though because the guy hasn't actually played in a lot of years, and we're just expecting mm, him to still be the well, guy when, he was with the Browns. When the Super Bowl champs from two years ago, and they also returned last year, seem to see something in the guy. Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know. I think there there's some potential there. I'm very happy to say that I picked him up on fantasy as soon as I found out he was reinstated in the league. Nice. Uh, that could be a that could possibly be a league winner if he is that target number three for Patrick Mahomes and company. Man, it's going to be a great Sunday nighter. Again, that's exactly why I didn't want to compete. Let's do a Sunday. Sunday morning coffee show with our preview Palooza. That is what we're going to call it. Again, oh, our marketing over? department firing on all cylinders here at the Squadcast. Uh, the preview Palooza will be uh, unveiled on Sunday, uh, this Thanksgiving weekend, as we break down everything NHL and the 32 teams that will be competing for the 2021-2022 Stanley Cup. Do you have an early favorite? It, again, I know that we talk about prediction season and, and what it all means in, again, early October before the pucks even drop. But do you have yeah. a complete favorite? I know we've gone on a couple shows and thrown some things out. But again, things change daily when it comes to seeing line combinations. You never know if Alex oh. Kerfoot's going to be a fourth liner or a, a second, third line option coming out of the backfield. I don't know. Oh, sorry, we're mixing sports now. But anyway. Well, I don't know if you've heard my theory about potentially having William Nylander as a super third liner, uh, but oh, that's a Lord. whole another show. Uh, on my, the- uh, my dad, who may be tuned in right now, we we had a, a uh, I'm the assistant GM of his keeper draft in fantasy, and there was a trade offer on the table mm-hmm. to pick up William Nylander and some draft picks in exchange for Brad Marchand. And uh, the uh, polite way I said it was um, bleep no. That, yeah, that's, uh, that's that's tough. That's a tough yeah, one. It, uh, especially as a super third liner, I don't think Willie's going to quite put up the uh, the point production there. So, well, yeah. So if you if you'd allow me, Max, just for for the TikTok uh, to uh, to post. allow, yes, yeah, allow me to do this. I have this theory that they've been practicing William Nylander a lot with Alex Kerfoot in this preseason so far. Uh, Mikheyev has kind of been mixed in there, and maybe some other guys. So my thought process was, I wonder if in their heads, uh, they're trying to recreate the HBK line in Pittsburgh a couple of years ago, where they had Haglin, Benino, and Kessel. Uh, so if you compare the lines, Mikheyev becomes Carl Haglin. Uh, uh, Kerfoot becomes Nick Benino. I, I stuttered there because I'm laughing at your face. And then uh, Kessel is William Nylander in that com- combination. And it becomes a matchup nightmare in terms of having to also think about the third line as an offensive threat along with the top two lines. Because obviously last year what we saw was Montreal just shut down Matthew's line in the playoffs. And uh, obviously William Nylander had some opportunities and he played very well on that second line. But if they could have three lines going instead of just two, uh, it makes a big difference. But Anyways, that's my little. You know the difference between the HBK theory. line and whatever the Two third cups. line's going to be. <laughs> yeah, few series wins, yeah. you know. Couple, but hey, you got to uh, try something. You got to try something. I, hey. I won't uh, nag you too hard. It is now that the Jays are out. I am coming around on on hockey season now. It is becoming an exciting time to to think about the rink again. Uh, good rhyme, geez. Again, marketing department. Mim- mimicry is the uh, sincerest form of flattery. I think I've heard. Is, before. is, is that the words? Anyways, and, hey, you know what? Here's my predators note for the evening. Guess who scored the oh. overtime winner 
in the preseason tilt against the Carolina Hurricanes. If uh, you still remember, they were the team that knocked us out. Uh, no, that would be Philip Tomasino, who is going to Ooh, completely uh, tear this league up. Uh, maybe not this year, but in a couple of seasons, I think Philip Tomasino is exactly, he might be one of the reasons we let go of Rem Pitlick, to be quite honest. I think his development, his his accelerated development, uh, has kind of usurped Rem Pitlick and where he was supposed to go and slot in this Nashville Predators lineup. Um, sure. It's unfortunate that the Preds couldn't get anything for Rem Pitlick because I do think he's a player, and especially going to Minnesota. Man, the Minnesota-Nashville connection, geez, Kevin Fiala, Mikhail Granlund, they had our assistant GM for a year. It's just it's amazing, yeah. the parallels. They, geez, they have our former owner. Craig Leopold there. So, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where uh, you look at the parallels and the comparisons. I hope Rem Pitlick has a good career. Um, just hopefully he dials it down for uh, the games against the Predators this year. Yeah. Like he's going to do that. Uh, just a couple of quick notes here before we let everybody go for the evening. I'm sure a lot of people have already tuned out Max, but yeah. uh, the Cowboys, this is a really interesting little note that it came across my phone an hour ago. The Cowboys are releasing linebacker Jalen Smith. He's in the mm -hmm. second year of a six-year, $70 million contract. He was a big part of their defense last year, and they're just straight up releasing him. Uh, yeah. So that's just an interesting thing to maybe note uh, for a future conversation topic. Uh, looks like also, a great pickup for the Rams. You know it. You know it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but Mike, also, Mika Parsons has kind of, again, he's, yeah, no, it's a they, young man's league, right? It yeah, doesn't doesn't take a lot uh, to kind of figure out that for the Cowboys, especially in that secondary, right? Trayvon Diggs, who's leading the league with five interceptions through four weeks. Mm -hmm. um, Micah Parsons, their first first round draft pick this year, right? It's it's amazing how fast Jerry Jones moves in Dallas, right? And uh, oh, yeah. even though he signed him to a six year deal, don't matter if you're not producing no. results. I want to say Jalen Smith has had some issues with injuries as well, if I'm not mistaken. Potentially, uh, but I'm just it's interesting mm -hmm. that they just signed him to a six year deal and he's out. Uh, yeah, Todd Gurley had a really long contract with the Rams too. Didn't didn't exactly make it to the end of it, so. Uh, one other thing that came across the phone here is, I guess, how are you not tired? Uh, Mark, we do this weekly. We're conditioned, man. I'm not conditioned to step on the ice this week, but I'm conditioned to talk sports for yeah. many, many hours, my friend. <laughs> oh, you know what I forgot to do? And uh, let me just do that really quick is the Great Western uh, Original ah, yes. 16 nightcap. I'm going to crack open. Uh, this is how we do it, Myron. We have our Great Western nightcap from uh, Original 16. Is that the Cranberry Christmas edition? Cranberry hard seltzer. Yeah, I got nice, that one going today. Nice. Good stuff. Always good time. Um, now, one thing, there's the last note here. Matt Ryan report denies reports that he wants out. So he says, false. I think it's ridiculous. The Falcons quarterback tells the athletic about this report that came out. Uh, and I just find it interesting that last week on this show, we talked with Andy McNamara and I asked if, you know, if Matt Ryan is going to get traded, where might he go? And it was kind of an interesting conversation that came from that, but I guess now, uh, and I don't think this stemmed from that conversation, but now there's reports that he wants out. I think that's pretty interesting. Uh, and I, I'm curious to see again, uh, what the Falcons choose to do with him. He's as Andy McNamara said, he's not done. Um, Max, is there anything else you want to touch on before we get out of here? Um, for the Toronto blue Jays is to put it on record. This season was not a disappointment. There that's you all go. I got. That's that's all I got, my friend. Hey, here's to looking forward to next year for the for the Toronto Blue Jays. Obviously, it was a really sad Sunday. Um, how did you cope with the loss? That's what I wanted to get to. How did you cope? What did you do Sunday night to cope? Because I had a very, uh, I guess, a, a good, I think, a good coping strategy until I laid my head on the pillow and thought about it for three yeah, hours. Yeah, <laughs> for me, I mean, I watched I watched them win, 
Uh, and that was, man, that was a good game. They just dominated mm-hmm. the game. George Springer, we talked about earlier, a grand slam, a home run. Vladdy Guerrero. Yeah, 22 home runs in 78 games. Just, oh, anyway, like, sorry. Look out. I'm telling you, look out. Uh, Vladdy hit his, what it was, a 49th, I think. 48. Semyon hit one, 48. Mm-hmm. I thought it was 49 and he was one away. No, it doesn't matter. Semyon hit one, 45. I mean, just the amount of firepower they had just came to display in that game. And that's why I said, I'm, Looking ahead, if they can just play the type of baseball they were playing in the second half and they can bring that to a full season, this team is like, ah, I hate to look ahead too much and get too mm-hmm. optimistic, but like we could be looking at the Seattle Mariners of the early 2000s type mm-hmm. type success. I like uh, that take. I do. Now they like meme this. <laughs> meme uh, it. They, meme it. Uh, they had win seasons where they were winning 120 games. And I, again, that's really, really, really optimistic, but man, uh, they have all the tools. And if they can maybe bring in an extra little piece this offseason, I think players are going to want to come to this team because they see a guy like mm-hmm. Marcus Semien sign a one-year deal, and he's a freaking MVP candidate. They see Robbie Ray sign a one-year deal, and he's a Cy Young winner. Uh, and we talk with Craig year after year, uh, you know, or year after year, time after time, I should say, with Craig. You know, Pete Walker is a, a pitcher whisperer. Um, this hit, This ballpark, guys love hitting in the ballpark. Uh, so why not come here and hit a few home runs and join the crew? They hit 256 or whatever home runs this season. Uh, like, it's just, it's wild. So uh, I know there's a lot. You missed the commercials, Myron. <laughs> well, it gives everybody bathroom breaks. That's the thing. He is That's right. True. We have been going for nearly two hours straight. But uh, no, yeah. I echo I echo your sentiments, my friend. When it comes to the Jays, this is going to be a very, very interesting offseason to watch. Um, personally, I'm I'm a very sentimental guy. I grow attached very, very easily. And Marcus Semien is a guy that if they can just find a way, if Rogers can bring him back, reach, not if Rogers cannot even reach deep down in their hearts, but their pocketbooks and say, you know what? Here's $32 million a year for five years, Marcus. Let's go win three world series. Like, I wonder if that's enough to get it done. And then in addition to that, Robbie Ray, this, this rotation, we talked about the rotation, like at the start of the year and it was the least of our concerns. Um, But you've got some control. It was the most of our concerns. I'm just saying that the way that the season transpired, it it was the least of our concerns. Um, But you got Alec Manoa as a potential rookie of the year candidate, Robbie Ray, Cy Young candidate. Uh, Jose Barrios has dangerous stuff. Ryu is reliable, and I think he still will be. You saw Mark Burley later in his career lose exactly. a little bit of a step. I like that Mark, comparable. Mark Burley was extremely reliable as a pitcher, and that's all you need, especially if he's going to morph into a fourth pitcher. Now, I know he's making ace money, but he's going to be, if he can kind of morph him into a three or four pitcher and just get a, a good outing every single time out of him, that's good. And then you have, you know, I don't know if Nate Pearson's still in the plans. I don't know if Steven Matz is coming back necessarily. I, I think uh, we talked but... about it. You nailed that take though. I think, and we saw it uh, a few appearances, right? Nate Pearson could be that guy that you stretch out to be not just your eighth inning shutdown guy, but your seventh inning setup guy. He could be that dual yeah. role guy that gets you through six outs with that elite level stuff and that elite level arm. He could carve out a nice little career. Uh, for the Toronto Blue Jays being well, that seventh and eighth inning guy, you really could, especially Max. If if they're going to become a team that does it, where they pull out the starting pitcher after the fifth inning, uh, the third time through, whatever, they pull them out fifth or sixth inning. You give Nate Pearson those next two innings, just fireball it, and then you bring in Romano or you bring in Meza or you bring in Merriweather or whoever, and just kind of pinpoint and pick apart the teams at the end of the game. 
that's a deadly combination. If you can get Nate Pearson throwing two innings every couple of days, um, or or like you said, just as Craig has said, you just let him come in for one inning and fireball his way through and nobody can touch it. That I feel like that's where Nate Pearson's is most dangerous. I said it for I said I've said it months ago. Matt. You said it months ago. Uh, so, anyways, uh, I think we'll leave it there because we are stretching. We a we we bit. could we could go another but three hours on the J season, but I think Craig alluded to it as well too to put a bow on this edition of the uh, Blue Jays 2021 Memorial episode. Um, 81 home games at the Rogers Center next year, man. That's all. And we're going to us. at least one series. I um, I agree. I think that's got to happen without a doubt. We'll uh, we'll be looking at the finances. We'll be tickling the uh, the old tax free savings yeah. account to make sure that we can get out to Toronto and have a good weekend with uh, with our beloved Toronto Blue Jays. But I think I we must, uh, as Myron said, he misses the commercials. We really got to point out our sponsors, considering yeah. that we did Oop. not have a commercial break this evening. Right, and I just as I close my laptop, I realized that my light was connected to said laptop. And my life oh wow, you got you got some really interesting. Uh, hey, uh, what what's it? Uh, electrician you should happening. see all the stuff that's going on over here right now. Uh, anyways, as you said, on behalf of uh, everyone at ICAS, actually, I got a funny text from there. It is. There's my light back. I got a funny text from Paul Drew, and he said, "You're not in the studio tonight. What's going on?" I'm like, "Well, Ryan told me there was Renos happening, and uh, we were going to do this. We weren't going to do this show anyway, so because we wanted the Blue Jays to play." Right. So, anyways, Paul Drew and said, "Oh, that's great. He's our he's our IKS connection. Thank you to Paul and IKS, of course. He's everybody. the IKS leader, not just the connection. Yeah, he's, he's the leader. He's the big the big hoss, <laughs> big boss." Um, now thanks to them. Thanks to rockstar supply chain solutions. Of course. Uh, thanks to hoop life as, as, uh, Myron pointed out, hoop life. RBI, we'll be talking some basketball 16. next week with the boys at hoop life. Yes. Season original preview. 16. Um, that's going to be a, uh, uh, the wrap here tonight. Um, uh, so Max, thanks for hanging out. Uh, we had a great show. I feel like tonight went really well. Thanks to everybody who, uh, subscribed to our brand new YouTube channel. Uh, I saw some people clicking the button tonight. I got a few notifications. So thank you for that. And if you haven't already, uh, I think I put the link in the Facebook, uh, in the Facebook comments. Uh, but just go search the Squadcast on YouTube and hit that subscribe button, please. Or create a YouTube account if you don't have one and then hit subscribe. Uh, and then follow us, of course, on our Twitter page and everywhere else. And uh, we'll see you again on Sunday morning, Sunday morning. Uh, and then again on Tuesday for a regular show. But we're going to be doing our preview Palooza uh, on Sunday morning. We're talking NHL season preview. Every team. Well, I don't know if we're going to go into as much detail as we did in the Kraken draft. But pretty much every team, we're going to talk about the offseason stuff and, and kind of hype up the year. So, Max, I will talk to you again soon, buddy. Absolutely. I hate the Washington Nationals. Have a great night, everybody. I hate the Washington football team. Have a good night.